0: Steve Bassett is a political activist and UAP researcher. In our last episode, we talked in depth about his background and what he's achieved in the past. In this episode, we attempt quickfire questions from the public about all things UFO and UAP. So today we'll do quick fire questions. We're going to try and keep it to about five minutes a question. And we're going to jump in and start with what is your favorite UFO related movie? And which UFO-related movie do you think is the most accurate? So it's kind of two little questions there.
1: Hmm. Interesting.
0: Um,
1: there are a number of films about, well, actually, there are e- I, you would call them E.T. movies. Mm-hmm. The, the movies are all about E.T.s. They, yeah, they're sure. not about yeah. UFOs. There there have been a couple of films, I guess you could say, were about that. And, and of course, we call that UAP now. Yeah. No, film's about aliens. In the film industry, it's all about aliens. Ext- extraterrestrial doesn't sound evil enough. Now, can you imagine the alien, the first movie, Alien, being Extraterrestrial? In fact, Spielberg ruined that. In <laughs> yeah. other words, Extraterrestrial so in terms say. of the idea of using Extraterrestrial as, as, as a denoting evil ETs was destroyed by Spielberg, <laughs> okay, with E.T. the Extraterrestrial. Yeah. That's okay. That's all right there are certain ones that stand out for me and 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 i and as i've said many times the the film industry is significantly responsible for the the awareness of the extraterrestrial concept worldwide mm. uh, it, it, i think it would be hard to find except maybe in the, the middle of the brazilian de- uh, 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 rainforest people that have not seen a movie that had extraterrestrials in it. Mm. all right there's been like well over 500 of them since 1950 um, most of them are bad guys, but there's some good guys, all right? So, and by the way, I, I did some research and perhaps the amount of total revenues and money made from films in that genre is, exceeds 200 billion. Uh, it's the most lucrative genre in all of film, yeah. which I like to point out to the film industry every chance I can, <laughs> right? Uh, You're making a lot of money, what, what? What are, what are you doing for me? What are you doing for the, for the activists, okay? Right, are you just nothing about money? And, of course, the answer is, yeah, that's pretty much what we are. We're nothing about money. Okay, what's your problem? Um, oh, some outstanding films. Look, Contact was 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 a, was a fantastic movie in a lot of ways. Uh, Andrillian was, I think, the principal writer, not Carl. Uh, certainly, uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind was a breakthrough film. It was probably one of the closest uh, films in terms of depicting the et reality in a way the presence yeah all right uh and 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 how people would view it it just has so much in it and and so it's there recently the film arrival which is a complex film but i was extremely impressed with that film yeah all right um and hmm these are three that come to mind um I am thinking just a little bit. I know, you know I, I know there's choices. others that I notice I'm not do I like the the ET movies with the evil you know did I like Alien when I saw it? Look, it was entertaining. I didn't know what I didn't know what to expect because it, it was it was a mo- it's the kind of movie I love in terms of they advertise they didn't they didn't tell you anything. This is a day when they would do that. <clears throat> they can't do it anymore because if they don't get 500 million people watching it they lose a fortune but alien was there was no trailer was nothing all the ads was that's it you had no idea and so i went in there and i'm just watching this movie and when that thing jumped out of that guy's chest i came out of my chair <laughs> in fact like most of the audience came out of my chair and i tell you that doesn't happen often right and that and that was pretty damn cool and that and so i i liked those movies uh but they're not the ones that are going to be really remembered. There are certain films like arrival, like uh, contact and of course, close encounters of the third time and even ET, the extraterrestrial uh, that will be more remembered because they uh, were more than just entertainment in my view. Um, And um, there's a film about to, to launch, which I've I've, I've definitely avoided. um, Uh, knowing anything about Jordan Peele's Nope an OPE oh, yeah, okay. I think it airs it actually premieres today this afternoon in Los Angeles uh, and it's a horror film so I'm but he's a genius I'll probably like it but I'm kind of doubting that it's going to be a positive uh, you know, a, a positive influencer on in, in terms of the disclosure process but it's probably going to make a lot of money and uh, well I want Hollywood to be happy because that's where I am right now, and I'm trying to. Uh, I, I, I'm not trying. I am getting involved with some heavy-duty people that uh, know this industry and trying to see if they could get on board with uh, the disclosure process. We'll awesome. See what
0: happens. Yeah, exciting. Uh, good, good choices. Good answers. I like it. Um, there's probably one or two I haven't seen, which I need to. I need to see. But yeah, um, on to the next. You believe that the U.S. government have recovered craft. Um, how many you know do you obviously you're not going to tell me an exact number but how many do you think they might have recovered approximately do do you have any concept of that um and do you believe or do you understand is it under you are you aware of whether they have managed to successfully reverse engineer anything
1: um don't forget to hit the the timer my friend (laughs) got it yeah i I, i'll get you trained um (laughs) Yes, they absolutely have a craft. There's a book called Magic Eyes Only by Ryan Wood. I recommend it. And he he's um, a brilliant guy who got involved in this issue, but he had to kind of step back because he had kids, mm-hmm. and I've you know, and I and I and they've grown up, right? Uh, I've actually w- watched them grow up, and uh, so he's had to step out. I think he wants to get back into it. He wrote a book in which he 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 compiled research on about 75 possible crash events. And so, and each one was distinguished by the amount of evidence that's se- that's kind of in in in, in play. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of them, I think, didn't happen, but that they're just suspected, but they didn't happen. Uh, but you read that book, and you realize there's been a number of crashes, right? The idea that only one vehicle mm-hmm. happened to have a bad bad day back in 1947 in Roswell is ludicrous. All right, that would be that would be like. Somebody putting forth the idea, oh, by the way, did you know that only one airline crash has ever taken place? It was just one, right? Uh, all those other ones actually were just well, not real. I think, I think there's been a number of crashes. I think, I think every, every one of those has been completely subsumed in the, in the classified world. I think some of these crashes were outside of major countries like the Soviet Union, the United States, but were delivered to them. Mm-hmm. There's one story about South Africa that's interesting. I mean, what, what what else would you do, right? Say you're South Africa and, a, and an ET vehicle crashes, right? And you realize what you got. What? What are you going to do with that? Mm-hmm. Okay, what? you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna store it somewhere, or are you gonna you know start a massive uh, reverse engineering program? No, you're going to call off the United States and say we got something you would like. Uh, what well, can you give us for it? Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's um, nice. So, I can we absolutely prove it? No, we know Roswell. It was a crash vehicle. That's been proven. Uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't hedge on that at all. Anybody wants to debate that, fine, but it's done, deal for me. <clears throat> I know enough about it. So they have a vehicle. The idea that any government of, of, of such as the United States, Soviet Union, China would have one of these vehicles and go you know, sort of like uh, uh, the Indiana Jones initial movie, right? Uh, we probably should put this in a box and store it somewhere where it'll get lost for 25 years. <laughs> I don't think so. They are going to study this thing to death. Yeah. And so we, 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 we're, we're confident they have these vehicles. We're confident that they have studied them. Uh, the question is, were any of them, how would you say, still workable mm-hmm. so that they were able to re-fly it? Uh, or were they simply able to take enough tech from it or reverse enough to have their own vehicles? There's evidence we have our own vehicles. They're called ARVs, aerial reproduction vehicles. Uh, so uh, my bet is on, yes, we have air, air, aerial reproduction vehicles that have anti properties based on reverse engineered technology from these crash. The U.S. has that. Therefore, it's possible Soviet Union, Russia has that. Maybe not. And then China's a possibility. Mm. Uh, so I have pretty high confidence. That's true. But as you can imagine, reverse engineering of ET craft gets the super duper deluxe classification status, right? Meaning the work is done a hundred stories underground. Everybody's on super duper double classification, right? Um, you know, violated instant death, uh, whatever. So that is not, that's not getting out. Yeah. but we have still enough uh, how would you say uh, incidental in- info and, and and some interesting witnesses which I think you can't run run it well. to ground yeah that i you know i believe so and i think that is extremely important after disclosure can you imagine if they're able to then finally reveal to us sorry but we do have anti-gravity craft and you could have been flying in them sooner and gotten from san francisco to new york a lot quicker and And it would have been pretty cool, but we just couldn't allow that. But we do have that. Now people are gonna get pretty excited about that. And they may say, look, we actually can move around the solar system a lot easier than you might've thought. And so the the space uh, era of, of the human race is actually already much further along and so people will be very excited about that and be going, all right. You know, this is the kind of stuff that's going to make people go, hey, look, I know you, I know you kept it a secret for 75 years. Let's bygones be bygones. All right. When do I get to fly in one of those anachronidic babies?
0: Yeah. We'll be like, oh, it wasn't you that decided to keep it a secret 75 years ago. Let's, let's see it in action. Like Will Smith yeah. in the Independence Day. I got to get me one of these. Uh, yeah.
1: yeah. I want one of those babies. <laughs>
0: yeah for sure so lots of people think uh, that the president of the united states wouldn't necessarily know the full truth about whatever is being hidden as they are in a way temporary employees right so in your opinion what how much would a president know and i'm assuming it's different for each president so how much do you think obama trump and biden would have known I- individually about this subject
1: the the best assessment that I can provide, because we we have, again, the, the, the truth embargo is not just an effort to not acknowledge this issue. It's also a very a successful effort to <clears throat> minimize anything coming out of the government on this subject. And when you get to what presidents know or don't know, uh, that's very st- strongly protected uh, about, about all things. Right. i mean believe me the list of things that presidents know that you don't know that they know them is a very long list okay mm. my best assessment is this every president mm. one way or another has known that this phenomenon is real you don't have to get a briefing from the cia to know the phenomenon is real you can just go go on amazon and or go to the bookstore back in the 60s or whatever and read some some of the some of the research being done by your fine citizens There's always been evidence of research out there all the time. But, again, uh, a president is going to have a whole lot of people who would like them to to know things. Mm -hmm. And and so the idea that somebody is not going to at least – even if the Pentagon – and and the and the intelligence community is committed that the president needs to be kept completely in the dark. Somebody's going to tip them off. So I believe every president's kind of known that. Uh, but only how much that is certainly varied. Yeah. Uh, did Truman know about Roswell? Absolutely. Did did uh, Eisenhower know who, who was going to keep the Roswell information from Dwight Eisenhower? Right the president who who, who takes office shortly after, not that long after Roswell, but he he was the five-star general. You're gonna say, we need to keep Ike in the dark. No, so I think he knew, but as you move forward, I think they know less and less, right? Uh, And so more and more of the picture was being kept from presidents as you move toward the future, which makes it much more difficult for them to, to unilaterally make a decision about, well, it's time to tell the world, I mean, the two presidents that could have done it and done it absolutely cleanly would have been Truman and Eisenhower, and they chose not to. So that's, that's I think, going to be what history is going to find out. And, and, and I'm sure the historians will try to assess, well, why, why didn't Clinton do more? Uh, why didn't Bush, who, you know, the ultimate Washington insider, politician, war hero, named the CIA after him guy, uh, he could have done it, why didn't he do it? And, and there's, I think there's an answers for all of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yes, I think they know, but they don't know, they certainly don't know everything by any means. And overall, as you move toward the f- future, they know less and less. They could augment that by again, getting into the, the public sector, the private research has been done on that mass amount of material, but they're mm-hmm. the president of the United States. They probably don't have time to listen to Richard Dolan's podcast. Uh, but there's a huge amount out there if they wanted to go. But probably there's some staffers that have have, have done that. But that overall the truth embargo has sec- successfully created a reasonable firewall between presidents of the United States, who are the is the only entity in our country that has the power to declassify everything and anything. Okay. Nothing is technically out of their reach, which is the way it should be, national security-wise. But that firewall has been pretty much successful to kind of keep the, keep the, the two areas separate. Mm. And, and every president so far has gone along with that. Um, and part of the reason is that disclosure of the ET presence, capital D, formal event confirmation, is no easy matter. And to do it responsibly, you need, you need the cooperation of your, your government, of your national security structures. Even though you're the commander in chief, you need their cooperation. You don't yeah. want to be swimming upstream. And so it's not so much th- that a president has to turn up that's thats, that's watched all the stuff and knows all the stuff and is really gung-ho about it, but rather a president turns up at a time when the other elements of government are now willing to to be involved and cooperate and make it easy for the president to do that in a way that is not politically damaging, and is responsible and in my view that is coming now that president biden is in is the president who is getting the last chair mm. when the music
0: stops um this one is for a question from twitter is from uh, a guy called joe uh, one of the joes on on twitter A few months ago, Christopher Mellon wrote an article for The Debrief detailing the incredible capabilities of the United States Air Force radars. It is well known that the United States Air Force have long been thought to have been involved in an alleged cover-up. How do you and your colleagues plan to pressure them to start releasing info, footage, and data?
1: I don't like the term cover-up, as I've told you. It's not a cover-up. It's an embargo. It's a national security policy, and it's legal. Again, for those that are willing to just go with common sense, <laughs> you know, I, it's, there's a lot, le- common sense is becoming a lot less common. I know, I know somebody is famous for that phrase. I forget who it is. Um, but going go, going back to the 50s, <laughs> we know about World War II. We know all the stuff we developed during that time, right, in order to defeat the Axis powers. And then we know how the technology was cruising forward. Uh, we know about, you know, the <laughs> The, the satellite technologies and everything else, and, and NORAD. And we knew, we've known for a long time that we've, all, all the major nations have developed this extraordinary technology designed to track pick up missiles, right, in space, right, track them so that we know if, we're gonna, if we have an attack coming so that we can have our nice nuclear war and that those techs have gotten better every single year, 50, 60s, 70s, every year. We've known that. But, and so obviously, common sense says, look, we're tracking constantly for uh, the potential for uh, you know, a- anything that goes up in the air, particularly of that type. So the idea that we're not picking up these craft, that people are reporting constantly to, to MUFON and New Fork and everything else, mm-hmm. uh, or to the new, local newspaper, we're not picking that. Of course we are. We could, we could not be. And so since that's that's common sense, then clearly if we're picking that up, that stuff is going into a vault. It's clearly not available to us. So the very fact that they're not doing things like, wow, you know, a couple of days ago, uh, our facility there in Wyoming picked up some interesting stuff north of Canada. We don't know what it is, but we're checking it out. No, they don't say that. They never say that. And so what Mellon is basically saying, again, because both Mellon and Elizondo cannot be direct to the point. They always have to come at it in an angle because they're limited in how far they can go on this. They're trying to get something done, and that's the goal, not, gee, how much can I tell people uh, sooner than later? And so by making that statement, he's just reaffirming, look, folks, we've been picking these things up for a long time. And clearly we're not telling you about it, which means that, yeah, there's a truth embargo. All right. And I'm just reminding you of that. Uh, we have an enormous amount of radar data from any number of facilities uh, as well as, of course, gun camera footage and all of that. And it's, it's, it's in the vaults, wherever the, 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 the Department of Defense wants those vaults to be. And it remains there and will remain there until uh, uh, we're able to get to the point where this stuff can be declassified. Um, but, as we know, a couple of – in other words, those gun camera clips that were delivered to the New York Times by Leslie Kane and Ralph Beaumonthal that eventually had come from Mellon, think of those three clips as symbolizing everything that our government and the Russia-Soviet government and the Chinese government have that they've picked up from their endless and constant surveillance of space in the skies so that they wanna make sure they pick up that nuke missile you're sending their way early, right? As well as all of the uh, film that their, their defense planes have done as they've gone up to, to check out bogies in their airspace that turned out to be not you know, stray airliners but, but craft that could simply disappear virtually in a half a second. Uh, all that stuff is in the vaults and, and that's what those three gun camera clips represent. Uh, and some people probably don't understand that, and they're thinking, wow, they finally released what they know about the ETs. <laughs> Please, no. So that's, 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 what I, that's my take on Mellon's statement. Um, uh, it's a strong statement. But that's not a cover-up. That is a national security policy that this, this information that we're gathering through our technology resources is not is declassified and not available to public consumption yet for, for, for national security reasons. Uh, and that has been the case since 1947.
0: Is there anything that you think can be done to kind of push the Air Force to release more of this? Because it does feel like the Navy have been more open, even though they're clearly not being 100% transparent. But it seems like they've been more open than the the, the United States Air Force. Do I think, uh,
1: yeah, man, push the Air Force. In other words, let, let's let's. Let's get some people together, head on down to an Air Force base and start picketing the damn thing and saying, you know, we want the ET information. We want it now. No, no, you can't pressure them. Uh, The way you get the information that is in the hands of whether it's the Air Force or the Navy or any other uh, military uh, force uh, service or agency is to support the hearing process get former members of the Air Force and Navy, and what have you, in front of congressional committees under oath testifying to what they know. This will lead to the ability to get that information. That, remember, the president has the power to declassify. The Air Force can't see self declassify. I Meaning you got some Air Force guys over there at the Air Force going, hey, it's time to declassify that some of stuff. Let's get it out. No, they cannot do that. That's the president. And so just, I invite people to be understanding of the services. Um, anything that they do, which which the Navy has been leading on, they're being done, doing because they're allowed to do it, and they're and they're not resisting it. The Air Force has stayed out of this, primarily in my view, because the Air Force's record on this issue is the worst. Uh, it it is going to take the most heat. Yeah. Uh, remember the whole Blue Book thing, which was essentially a a. a a whitewash program designed to keep the issue under control, not actually resolve it, went on for years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, and the Air Force then ended. Uh, and and then, of course, the Air Force was behind the the bizarre stuff that happened in 1997 with the with the Mogul balloon stuff and the crash test dummies and everything. And the Air Force really was forced to to go out in front and take a lot of arrows and play spear catcher on this issue. And they have a lot to answer for and they're going to take a lot of heat. And so, but not surprisingly, they're kind of staying out of this yeah. because uh, if the, for them to come forward, like the Navy a little bit, would we, would been invite a lot of people. We, yeah, yeah, finally. Yeah. You're doing something. You know, what about then? What about this? What about that? And so they're kind of just kind of st- keeping their head down, <laughs> hoping people look, yeah, just you know, enjoy that Navy stuff. Right. It's really cool. You know, just ignore us for now right yeah. we, we, we'll talk to you later it's kind of like that all right i don't think so much that they're stonewalling it's just that it's probably best for they feel it's probably best, kind of you know let the navy move forward on this and come come see us later when when uh, things when it's safer to yeah. come out and play
0: okay something like you. that i don't know yeah that's that it definitely sounds like this it could be something there um what are your thoughts on the new trend of public and university-led ufo projects such as uapx and the galileo project do you think things like this are good for disclosure
1: anything that that the universities might do that's responding to these developments since 2017 is a good thing i i uh, uh it helps There's no question about it, but it's tough for me. I mean, it's for for people that don't know the history of this very well, they're they're going, wow, that's really cool. Uh, I know the history. And so for me, it's not so cool. All right. Uh, And and, and what I mean by that is that the record of of colleges and universities in this subject is beyond abysmal. It's, it's, It's historically awful. And so What's going on right now is the colleges are saying, "Well, look, this thing is really happening. We probably should maybe show some interest in it, and and so um, let's um, let's start checking up in the sky to see if there's anything there, or let's let's start reconsidering this idea of life somewhere else, and, and what have you." And 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 I'm going, "Well, that's kind of nice, but we we knew about the ET presence in '47, right?" And there's plenty of people in colleges and universities, particularly those that have been involved in government classified projects that know that. I assure you that know that. Mm. And so all of this is very disingenuous in a way. It's like, look, let's, let's, let's do something now that w- w- was actually started back in 1958 with the SETI programs uh, to show that we're involved. That is disingenuous as hell. In other words, there's ETs here now. They're flying around in our airspace. They had evidence for this, massive evidence for this. And so what you should be doing is establishing programs to uh, look and examine all of the evidence on this issue that's out in the public domain, analyzing the government's history on this and see if you can get to the bottom of it. So what they're doing is token. And it also irritates me because a lot of money is going into this, right? And uh, that the activist movement desperately needs. Mm -hmm. Uh, in order to help advance the truth process Uh, so it's a bit retrograde it's too little too late Uh, and so from my perspective knowing this the history of this issue it's a little irritating but on the other hand people are seeing the, the the galileo project is like wow harvard is is clearly responding to this and harvard is the greatest university in the world and that's 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 fine, okay. Um, so and that that elevates their willingness to go go and accept what's happening. It's good, but yeah. eventually, uh, and I and I and I say this out of out of, uh, of sympathy and support. Eventually, all of the people that are starting up these programs at these universities now, very soon they're going to have an awkward some awkward moments where people are gonna say, you, you're you doing this, but did you know about that? I mean, you didn't know about that? I mean, what, <laughs> whatever, right? You <laughs> mean, uh, so, I mean, it's like, you need to catch up with the times, right? In other words, you're, you're, you're 30, 40 years behind. Uh, and, and, and it's gonna be awkward for them. They're gonna say, well, we just didn't know. And you spent all this money doing this and we're here? Right. I, again, it's like, I don't know, it's like some college putting in a for a massive grant of 20 or 50 or 100 million dollars in order to investigate the, the potential value of a combustion engine. And people say, what? You know that that was already invented a long time ago and there's a lot of them out there. Isn't that a little retrograde or behind the times? It, it, I, I'm, I'm trying to convey something complicated here, but I'm just saying that, like, assure you that the universities are so behind the curve on this it's it's really funny almost hysterically funny and ultimately that is going to come out and so uh, all i can say is uh, i would invite the universities to up their game as quickly as possible uh because they're not they're not they're not on board yet but they're trying to show i guess the flag we we care you know we're not totally ignorant we know we're sort of paying attention you know, we, we, you know, that tic-tac was pretty interesting. Okay, but let's don't get ahead of ourselves. Let's see if we can find some technology and remnants in, you know, in the solar system floating around somewhere. And by the way, we'd love millions of dollars to do that. Um, what can I say? Uh, that's the activist in me. The activist's job is to get the thing done, not to play around with it forever, right? Not, not to be misrepresent what you know about it. Uh, and and um, the sooner we get to places like that, the sooner the universities in this country will become more of an asset to the public need and, and the commons, as opposed to some sort of elitist group that that charges more and more for people to come learn stuff and gets more and more government grants every year.
0: Mm. Wouldn't it be funny if they managed to pick something up that, that like and they beat the government to it and they <laughs> everything pretty much like catches catches uh, catches fire, catches the mainstream's attention and, and yeah
1: at some point, maybe
0: some some
1: some the 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 people that run some pretty well-known university somewhere in this country, not not some pretty much mid mid-range university that nobody's ever heard about, in order to just get attention, right? Which might happen, but one of the biggies, maybe an MIT, will suddenly announce that they are uh, they are actually launching a, a, a department of extraterrestrial technology science. Mm-hmm right, Uh, to study every aspect of what we already know and also uh, what the government may know in order to to, to develop, utilize, uh, and take advantage of the kind of technologies that are implicit in all of this. Uh, A full department for that. And everybody will go, now that, okay, now you're getting it, all right, now that's what we wanna see, right? And you're thinking, well, why don't they do that? Because they'd be ahead of the curve, they get a lot of press. Because there's still enough people working at that university who are thinking, you know, oh boy, if we go there, I mean, you know, it's like, you know, that it's, it's, it's the, it will we'll be accused of being tinfoil hat UFO nutters. And, and that's not good because the government has, you know, kind of said there's nothing here and all oh, that other stuff. In other words, they're not able to break the spell that the truth embargo has yeah. built for all of these years. They can't quite do it yet. Um, what can I say? Yeah. Uh, This is the nature of humans and institutions. Every activist movement has had to deal with this. Yeah. Right. Even in the civil rights movement, you had a lot of people, smart people that actually believed that everybody should have the same rights in this country that were, you know, you know, back in the fifties and sixties were rubbing their hands together. Oh my Lord. If we, if we actually call for, you know, equal rights or something like that. It's going to upset the, the balance of power in the South and create chaos and everything. And, 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 and our party might lose votes. And maybe it's too soon. We need to wait. Activists are not very fond of people like that, okay? Uh, and our job is to basically steamroll them and just right over. Screw you. Let's get this done. So that, that part of me is always going, come on for crying out loud. You know, yeah. does a damn E.T. have to land on your front lawn, come in, sit down, have dinner with you, show you pictures of other solar systems or whatever the hell for you to finally get it? All
0: right. Yeah. I know there's some people that claim that is literally what it would take. But <laughs> anyway, on to the next one. Yeah. Um, sure. I mean, each to their own, right? Yeah. Um, whatever it do- takes.
1: Whatever it takes.
0: Let's do it. Let's get it done. Do we uh, these are these are questions from Reddit now? Pretty much going to take us to the end. Um, do we have satellite-based data showing, or to the best of your knowledge, do we have satellite-based data showing UAPs entering or departing Earth's atmosphere? Um, if yes, are we seeing specific areas that the UAP consistently moves to and or from?
1: Uh, I, I'm sure we have satellite data on this, absolutely. Uh, I have, but I do not know what that data shows. <laughs> no, and I, you know, no, I couldn't know. Anybody that says they do, yeah. please. Unless unless they just they just left, you know, and the NRO and you know and and they were they were one of their top people, but no. But of course they got it. You know something else that's kind of funny? I love this. You know, again the truth embargo is funny, really. I mean I'd love I'd, I'd love to develop maybe a twenty minute stand-up routine that would really kill. And then I could go and have some fun at the improv here in LA, but they they put uh, because the, the, the international space station is, you know, it, it's, it's, this is a public project, you know, it's part of NASA is a, uh, is a civilian space agency and, and it's supported by other entities and other countries. It's not, it's not some government program. Really. It's supposed to be a civilian program. And it's, and it's, and it's a really popular thing and, the, and, and they want to use it to, uh, to get people excited and, and, and willing to commit and support uh, the, uh, the work that we're doing in space. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because it needs money. And NASA needs to go get the money and, and public support helps NASA get that money, yada, yada, yada. OK. And so so in order to in order to uh, stimulate and, 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 and show that they, 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 that they want the public to share in this, they put all these cameras on the International Space Station, right, that are looking out, right, cameras. Well, the damn thing started picking up things. Right. Right. Not surprisingly. OK. And this would turn up and that would turn up. And, and 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 not also not surprisingly, uh, I, I forget when it really began, but it's been quite a while. You've got some people, civi- civilian people that are interested in this issue that made it their raison d'etre to check every single second of that footage. Right. They're watching it. They're, rec- they're recording it all the time and then they're going through it. Right. And so before you know it, they're starting to see these things turning up on the feed and that and the the nasa's going oh crap this is not good and and then what started happening is like something would turn up and then suddenly the feed would cut off yeah yeah (laughs) and then they would show that and 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 that kind of stuff is not some people have, have seen some of this and know about it. a lot of people don't I, I see it. I, I, it, I think it's hysterical. I mean, I think it's as funny as hell. It's like, and you know, I'm thinking, you know, damn ETs, all, all you wanna do is, 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 is have the p- public participate in this wonderful International Space Station thing we're doing and, and see stuff, and the damn things keep showing up. Why don't they just cut us some slack? Stay away from the damn ISS. Look, we're, you know, we're trying to have a space program here. Uh, and, we, and, if we, and if we suddenly, if we, we put those cameras up, if suddenly we stop using those, Immediately, a lot of people are saying, why aren't you, what what happened to the camera feed? So they're committed to it, right? And then they have, if they have to shut it down, well, that's a big lie. And and it's always making everybody feel bad. And and I'm going, well, you know, the ETs do a lot of stuff like that. Uh, I assure you, they do. Uh, And uh, why they do it is not clear. But if it's intentionally to piss us off, I love that. I mean, I just love it. You know, the ETs are going, you people are so damn entrenched. You're so antiquated in a lot of ways. You have such an unbelievable potential in future. And yet you keep doing this nonsense and crap. And I, and I don't want to go into the crap, but there's plenty of it. And so, and we've got a job to do, but just to, we just, just for the hell of it, we're going to, we're going to let you know we're still here and, 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 and uh, irritate you that way. Okay. <laughs> And, and uh, I think you have to put crop circles in that. Every, every year they put some crop circles now. I don't know that what's happening lately. I think it might have tapered off, but there, there for years there it was intense, right? which is a real pain in the ass when you think about it. So it's, like, it's like, so the government finally tried to t- try to deal with this by, by coming up with some stupid stories. Doug and Dave was the most famous. There was a couple of guys that were, that hung out at some pubs and decided to start doing this. And they sort of tried to make a play The Doug and Dave were creating all the crop circles, which, If Doug and Dave included a team of like four or five hundred people, right, and and, um, who are operating under, you know, under a high, high, high funded operations, maybe, maybe they could have done it. But it's impossible. And so Doug and Dave were going to be the cover for all that, which is one of the funniest things that's ever happened in this field. But think about the government. Think about the UK government. It's like,
0: again, their position is the same as the US. They're even even worse than the US in terms of they just don't really talk about it. And so year after year, more crop circles.
1: And go and 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 more and more people understood we can't do that. <laughs> and so maybe the crop circles are just a way that the ETs to play nice and show us, hey, here's some nice art. We're not evil. But I have a feeling it's also, yeah, they put those babies down knowing it's gotta irritate the hell out of the UK government and irritate the hell out of all governments in the sense that they can't explain them. They still can't explain them. And so the crop circles is probably another example of how the ETs kind of let us know in their various ways, we're still here, we haven't left, we're probably not going to leave, deal with it. Mm. Right. And that's one of my first questions I'll be asking the ETs. How much, how much of what you did was just to irritate the hell out of us? Because we were so <laughs> damn frustrating. You, 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 we knew about you in 46, okay? <laughs> And we could have engaged it right then, and God knows where we'd all be now. Instead, we decided let's have a cold war, let's spend trillions on nuclear weapons, let's drag this out, maybe even have five, six, eight, ten proxy wars, drop millions of bombs. This is all since '47, uh, and and the ETs are up there going for crying out loud. Would you, would you <laughs> cut it out? Would you? I mean, can we move on here? Right. <laughs> so again, the, the, I, I have to find this kind of humor in this, Ben, because if I didn't, I I would go crazy.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, I get that. You know, when you meet the the ET, then you have your list of like, so we're you responsible for crop circles, cattle yeah. mutilations, abductions, all these kind of things going down the list. And uh, yeah. they'll be like, no, that one actually we weren't. We're like, oh, okay. So that's a bizarre yeah, no, mystery no, left No, Oh, that was,
1: it, that. we meant that one. But this one, <laughs> oh, yeah, we were sticking it to you on that. And there's been a lot of, I, I, I'm collecting these cartoons. I have on, I have on uh, in my file a, 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 hun, a couple hundred and fifty cartoons. There's been lots of them. I only keep the good ones. And believe me, there is plenty of quality humor about the E.T. presence that the cartoonists have done. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, I've seen and, some uh, of
1: those too. I've even given presentations where all I do is I show a cartoon and talk about it, right? Uh, and people really love those. I'm sure I'm violating some copyrights and I'll get sued. But the thing <laughs> is that, so there is plenty of humor here. And I have, I have used that from the beginning because it's who I am. I could have been a stand-up comedian. I could have been a contender. Really, I could have been a contender, but uh, it's a brutal profession and you end up on drugs. So the, the point is, is that uh, uh, I've always put the humor in because this is this has a, been a long slog. And without humor, it's brutal. Yeah. Right. It's absolutely brutal. I can't imagine. You put it this way in the civil rights movement, there was humor, but not a lot mm-hmm. uh, it just didn't lend itself to that and so i'm I'm trying to imagine being a civil rights activist all through the 30s 40s 50s 60s or whatever and having to do that slog but really without the humor Uh, it's just not like you can be cracking jokes about that It, it would have been a lot harder a lot tougher so this gig is easier in a lot of ways and that's one of the ways uh yeah there's plenty of there's plenty of humor here you gotta laugh at some of this stuff yeah uh, you gotta yeah, lighten it up the,
0: when you can because it's heavy you heavy got stuff. to. Yeah. stuff <laughs> yeah. um have you ever or not have you ever sorry have you heard anything behind the scenes in regards to more hearings um or the release of more photo video evidence
1: oh, i'm tracking the news all the time i'm tracking all the statements I, i'm not up on the hill yet i hope to be I, I hope to maybe sit in some offices fairly soon i'm working on that you don't you know, you have to earn that. Um, uh, so I'm working on that. But based on just the news coverage, which I follow extensively, and let me remind your audience that paradigmresearchgroup.org, my website, uh, we'll just Google Stephen Bassett, it comes up. Uh, under resources, there is the print media archive. And there I have 13,000 linked articles, including, I think, 2,600 or something over the last five years meaning this key five-year period since 2017. And if you just go back and start reading chronologically forward, you get a very compelling picture of what's happening. Mm. All right, that's why I created that. Is It doesn't exist anywhere else. Absolutely, there's another hearing coming. Um, Would you hazard a guess as to when? To it. Well, Adam Schiff has alluded to it. Uh, uh, I think some, at least one person on the Senate Intel Committee has alluded to it. Uh, and 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 a couple of others like Diego, Diego was alluded to. It. So there's going to be another hearing. Uh, the question is, will it be uh, the Intel committees Is the ultimate goal? Uh, will it be an, another subcommittee, or will go to right to the Intel committee? And there and, and ultimately, we're going to have the witnesses come in, mm-hmm. right? What I mean by witnesses, I don't mean a couple of functionaries from the DOD. I'm talking about military witnesses that can speak to the favors and the Dietrichs, And there's dozens and scores of so, others. Yeah. Okay, that's absolutely coming. Uh, the question now is how how do you do it? How schedule it? As you know, we have a hearing process underway now regarding the January sixth insurrection. <laughs> yeah, I never thought I'd have a, see an insurrection in my time. I thought that just ha- happened in other countries, uh, but no. Now we're into that. So that is, and and then a really nasty uh, political campaign um, indictments are going to be turning up. it's a lot of ugly political stuff. So. I can make the case that that having members of Congress uh, who are on certain committees uh, hold some hearings and bring in some of these witnesses and start engaging this issue, hopefully with a very large audience, would be a very positive thing. It would be a nonpartisan thing that people could say, oh, well, it's nice to see you guys acting adult and and acting uh, in a responsible way, serving our need to know. Uh, And that would be a good thing. And it might it might soften uh, this other awful partisan stuff that's going to happen uh their attitude is probably uh no we can't do that uh, we've got a we've got a fight to the death here uh we've got to focus just on that we can't be distracted by doing something good right doing something righteous so i i don't know how it's going to play however mm-hmm. what has taken place to date is of a substance that there is no way that they can come forward and say look okay we're we expect, we'll probably get another hearing maybe sometime later in 2023. Uh-uh, that's not going to fly, I assure you. Uh, so, and there's more coming uh, in terms of this, what, what is known about this issue. There's more things going to be popping up. Uh, the, 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 the journalists, the, the, the big media is now involved. They, they, they're, they're, they're looking at the ratings they're getting on these stories. Uh, they're getting, they're looking at the responses and you're going, you know, this is a hot topic. Mm-hmm. And so they're not going to back off. They 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 they're going to pursue this. So there, there should be more hearings this summer. That they're going to be taking their usual break, but I I just think there will be. Um, and so uh, I don't think I'm being overly optimistic. The next hearing will tell us a lot. Yeah. It'll give us a sense of the pacing. But there's already competition on Capitol Hill right now from members of our Congress, House and Senate, who are competing literally to be more aggressive on this subject mm-hmm. right which has never happened before yeah And once you get politicians competing for who can get further ahead on the issue guess what happens
0: yeah. things
1: start really moving okay meaning no way I'm letting that guy get out ahead of this man I I, 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 I can I, I can get involved here right I, I, I got something to say uh, uh, so I'm gonna say this I'm gonna say that Burchette and, and, and Mike, Tim Burchette and Mike Gallagher are kind of doing this right now, okay? They're kind of jockeying for who can go further. So a lot of people are not picking up on that. I am. And I know enough about the Washington know that when that starts happening, you're going to see some action. Uh, and, 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 and again, I'll repeat it. We desperately need as a country to start seeing that kind of thing. Yeah. People trying to do something important without attacking each other because it's it's not really a partisan issue acting responsible and not making fools of themselves people are so upset and tired of our our some of our best known politicians making complete asses of themselves on a daily basis it's very frustrating mm-hmm. and clearly when you're seeing that you're not expecting anything to get better right if, if politics yeah. becomes a clown show do you really think a clown show is going to lead to improvement in the life of american people or or solving some of our issues you're not and so this issue offers them that opportunity and i'm happy to remind them about that every chance i get
0: <laughs> yeah good um let's talk about roswell a little bit i mean obviously i look forward to those hearings and i hope you're right i hope we do get some more this summer and th- that's going to be really exciting let's talk about roswell for a little minute here um so originally i was going to ask you kind of your your thoughts on what happened and all that but we've got that out of the way you, you you're you very certain that there was a, crashed UAP, a, a some kind of craft um you've mentioned that you are under the under the understanding that there were et bodies uh recovered so the questions i guess would be is were they alive were any of these bodies alive um i guess that's the first question before i can kind of ask you my little follow-up to that
1: the the evidence from the testimony from the witnesses that were on site or family members of those witnesses i think i mean it's i think it was four dead one alive might have been five dead one alive Okay. on that crash. Now, yeah. there were other crashes. There, there's likely other crashes. And in, and some and in the evidence again magic eyes only. Ryan Wood, that's a good place to start. And but the, the, you know, you you can you can google you know, UFO crashes, right? There's tons of material out there. Yeah. Um I I think there were other 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 instances where they had entities. But the one we know the most about is Roswell. Four is either four or five dead, one alive and the, there was reports that he stayed alive till 1952 again but the fact that they had one alive even for a week or a month yeah very significant yeah. right uh, and you can imagine that any any whatever we did with that live alien is ultra special duty classified stuff that's yeah. the kind of stuff that's so deep <laughs> That you're you're not gonna get it, and if you try to get it, you'll be stopped in your tracks long before you even get close. Yeah, uh, uh, that's heavy duty stuff.
0: So uh, I do. I, I think yeah, they had dead bodies and they had uh, they had live bodies. And did you have you ever heard anything about like uh, transcripts of like attempted communication or actual interview with any of these? This was a question from Reddit. There's a
1: little bit here and there. There have been some video that have turned up that are rather intriguing that have not been, I think, confirmed one way or the other of an ET being interviewed. You may have seen that. Uh, and there's been some, some, some accounts, but the truth embargo has been effective enough that none of those can produce enough providence to be substantive. Yeah. Uh, in other words, obviously the gun camera clip footage that re- was revealed in 2017 was at a place where it could be revealed. OK. And so it happened. There's a whole bunch of stuff that are a place that ain't going to be revealed right now. Yeah. Not a chance in hell, but eventually will be. Right. Yeah. And so as we move forward in the disclosure process leading to confirmation, you're going to see the things that can be released. That doesn't mean we don't know uh, or have some some indication about a lot of the other things. Uh, the, the government has been accumulating with its resources, information about this phenomenon for 75 years. So do you think they have a lot of stuff? Oh God, yes. All right, and that's on top of everything that the civilian sector and public sector has been able to accumulate. And I think there's a lot of things that we have learned about that the government didn't learn about and got it from us. Okay, so you've got two reservoirs of information about this subject one has been available for years but is is constantly undermined by a government policy of embargo and the other is fully classified to various degrees and that is what needs to be brought together in the post-disclosure world
0: yeah just a quick question here do you have anything other than just speculation on or or even speculation on whether it's kind of just one species or race or whatever we want to call it is one civilization of ets one type of et or is it potentially numerous have you you got any understanding of that at all
1: well this is the kind of stuff that's that's ultimately not going to really get out until or really addressed until after disclosure it's just not going to happen before disclosure i mean there's going to be pressure to maybe do that i understand it i respect it but overall we got to get disclosure out of the way to go here but I'm, I, 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 don't, I don't mince words. I'm, I'm an activist, I'm a truth advocate, so I don't screw around. Uh, the evidence for contact is overwhelming, it's massive. Uh, hundreds of thousands of accounts of contact have been provided, given to, uh, privately, researchers. Uh, Whitley Strieber alone has got hundreds of thousands. Uh, people that have written up, you know, I read your book, wow, this is what happened to me. I'm just sending this to you. I'd like to know, no expectations of money or anything else. Hundreds of thousands. And of course, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of cases have been researched, studied uh, by direct interviews, including hypnotic regressions. And and, and the result is a very substantial body of evidence of direct contact, which is basically a bell curve. And I think most bell curve is this curve that kind of looks like this right, mm-hmm. and under that bell is what we will call the most consistent evidence. And then as you move to the outer parts of the curve, you're getting stuff that's less consistent, also a little more radical and, and may, not, may not hold up, okay? But in, underneath that curve is the stuff where there's been so many corroborative or equivalent reports that it has much more validity. And with under that bell curve, we have clear under, uh, uh, evidence based on accounts, first-hand accounts, people that were there, that the number of entities dealing with us is, is, is more than uh, more than one. It's four, five, six, seven, mm. somewhere in there. Then I've heard numbers as high as 30, 40, 50. Well, based on the contact evidence, it's in the range of four, five, six. And the reason that they're different is that they look a hell of a lot different. Um, and if you go online and, and you go to Google and you Google alien types or extraterrestrial types and then hit images, they come up, right? Not every image, but I mean, there's a whole lot of images there that, that actually are reflecting what they look like. Why is that? Guess what? When you are having direct contact, whether it's abduction or whatever the hell, whatever the reason you're, you're having direct contact with huge numbers of people, some of them are artists, a lot of artists have been in contact with ETs. Guess what they do? If they have the memories, they come back and draw them. They paint them. Wow. Generally, they're not allowed to take photos I mean, for whatever reason, you know, the, whenever somebody is gonna be uh, having contact with an ET, they're they, they never able to get the camera and take it with them, but they paint them. God bless them. Yeah. So there they are. So logically, it's not, it doesn't have to be, but logically, When you've got more than one, quote, species, I don't know if that's the right term, that look very different, but are clearly sentient, one would conclude that they evolved on different planets. That's not necessarily the case. The odds favor that. But it's not, there's no, the only reason, the principal reason why we are the only, well, that's not true. We're not the only sentient species on our planet. I'm absolutely certain that whales and dolphins are, are sentient, uh, and, and, and possibly even elephants. Okay. Who cares? And why does it matter? It's important, right? Particularly because we like to slaughter whales and dolphins and elephants, mm. but because of the, the, the nature of how they're, they're built, right? Whales and dolphins and elephants, they're never going to have a space program. They're never going to build a computer. Okay. It's not their fault. Okay. It's not their fault, it's what nature gave them. You can have sentience without fingers, okay? And so, it's possible that you could have a planet where you could have multiple sentient species capable of developing technology. In other words, you could have a planet, our planet for instance, could have multiple different species of human types, I don't know how to describe. In other words, we know that there have been many, uh, there have been many hominid types, Right, that were that were eventually basically sentient, but they're gone now. Why? Because they got killed off. In other words, as as sentient species with fingers, because of the nature of evolution, survival of the fittest, and so forth, the way life evolves, Mm. which is a competition, we kill each other off, and so likely you end up with only one. There will be one. Right? There can be only one. Right? What's that, Highlander? Uh, and so maybe the, the Neanderthal could have eventually been operating in this planet along with us and have their space program, but probably not. They, only one is going to emerge. So I, I think on these other planets, it's probably similar. Um, and so the conclusion that I've come to is that we are dealing right now with at least four or five or six that are from four or five or six different solar systems but they are in, they are engaging each other. They're involved with each other, which is very significant. Yeah. If you've got multiple species, sentient species from different solar systems dealing with each other, that confirms that the ability of separately evolving sentient species can work co- collaboratively. That's an important thing to know. All yeah. right. Very important thing to know. And so, um, which then... So okay, so that's the answer to that question. Now, I mean, I could go on for an hour of the implications of that answer, but yeah. that's the answer to the question. I'm going with four, five, six from four or five, six different solar systems, probably closer to us than farther away. In other words, stuff that's maybe five, eight, 10, 20 light years as opposed to, you know, five thousand light years. I mean, I don't think that's that's hard. And they're kind of in the in the neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. these are our neighbors, okay. And naturally, you hang out and deal with those that are kind of in your neighborhood. It's a big galaxy; uh, just dealing with the neighborhoods kind of a will take up your time, all right. Be, we're going to be learning about our neighbors and maybe interacting soon with our neighbors. And I hopefully they're nice neighbors, yeah. uh, And we're all going to be able to
0: get along. Let's That's hope they're I friendly. Let's hope they're friendly. Um, it reminds me something you said there reminded me of um, a famous quote from Lou Elizondo, where he uh, he, he kind of alluded to mankind's plural and kind of got everybody's head spinning with that and everybody was like you know trying to figure out what he was what he was trying to allude to there um anyway do you think uaps are something the average person will eventually be able to understand and comprehend or do you think we are doomed to wonder forever what well, by uap you mean the phenomena or the craft i i would i would imagine it's kind of all of it i would imagine it probably encompasses everything uh,
1: i i think that i think that human race will will Embrace this issue, and you will see a learning curve and, uh, of, of unprecedented uh, vigor and, and, and intensity mm-hmm. uh, where we will go, we will just, everybody, one way or another, there'll it, be an autodidactic process that's going to underway. And then, of course, all of the institutions are going to literally jump into this issue and study it to death. Uh, they're going to want to know everything and we'll we'll figure it out um it's in some levels not that bizarre it's another another planet over a period of billions of years evolved life and eventually evolved sentient life Mm. Uh, and that sentient life eventually developed technology just like us yeah so the only thing that's really At issue here is how much more tech have they have they they developed and and how much more do they know about the universe i mean what's the big deal now they may know some things about the universe that is difficult to explain to us uh, but that's not shocking most people frankly including me are still grappling with quantum mechanics there are more than a more than a few physicists that are happy to tell you that like well, I, 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 I have studied it and I do, I do understand the equations and everything, but ultimately it's really strange. Yeah. It, it's literally challenges your ability to put it in some sort of realistic context, but mm. we're getting it and we're studying it, but it's out there. There'll be some things like that that the ETs could convey to us. Yeah. But again, does that sound like, again, the, one of the, the effects of the truth embargo is to create so much uncertainty uh, uh, and speculation and mystery about the phenomena that people have naturally developed uh, over-sensitive, over-hyped views about it. Like, oh my God, they could be time travelers. And, and what does that mean? And you know, my, how could we possibly understand that? And on and on and on, as opposed to they have another planet and they can fly from planet to planet. Mm. So I'm gonna err on the side that they're not as mysterious as we think. And we will be able to understand it. Yeah. Uh, and because the more aggr- the more uh, intense uh, viewpoints about how bizarre and uh, incomprehensible it is just happens to service the truth embargo. Mm-hmm. It just happens to make it a little easier to just keep this thing under wraps, right? It's beyond what you can imagine. Oh my God! It'll ju- your brain will explode. Let's just let that sleeping dog lie. Uh-uh. No, 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 no. I, I'm not buying into that. So uh, that's that's my and I could be wrong, but I believe people are going to be very surprised at how much they, it's going to they're going to be able to understand it. Uh, and and uh, uh, and appreciate it. Uh, and 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 how 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 it will impact us and how it will benefit us uh, once we start to get this information. And, and maybe even have direct contact with ETs, because remember, there's already contact with ETs going on. It just isn't formal; it's uh, on a one-on-one basis. Uh, it, it's uh, it's not RSVP either, and so we have a lot of accounts of people interacting. And by and large, it's pretty straightforward. It's almost mundane in a lot of ways. I mean, it's definitely you know, pretty intense and and and. and, and. It's certainly an emotional experience, but when you break it all down, it's fairly straightforward. Yeah.
0: No, I think I think when I look at all this stuff, it does seem like the the most the simplest to understand explanation to explain all of this is simply that yeah, there's something coming from another planet, another solar system. Um, I, I kind of, I really hope it is that I hope it doesn't end up being something, you know, like interdimensional, right. Cause I can't even get my head around that concept. You know, that's, that's, uh, harder to, to entertain. So I hope, I hope you're right. And I hope it is something that's just nice and, and straightforward and easy to understand. Well, let me
1: add this, 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 this is a, some, a thought experiment that people should do more. Just let's reverse it. Just reverse it. We're, we're already, we're close. We know we're closing in on the ability to, 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 to travel to Mars, uh and and in due course we'll be able to travel even to the outer planets all right if you if you if you do a little research you'll discover that there's plenty of effort to try to solve the 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 relativity issue i i am on some mail list of people that are seriously investigating this and and uh and and it's out there Uh, you can go start reading about what you would call space warp technology uh, extra extra luminal technology we're 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 closing in on it and there are there are, there are more than a few scientists that will admit that uh so just imagine that we 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 solve the problem where we can get to alpha centauri uh in in a couple of weeks as opposed to you know, 10, 000 years <laughs> and, and 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 uh and then imagine that we 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 get a an- head on out there and we go up to that centauri system and we're we're checking out the planets and we see a a planet with a a developing sentient civilization right maybe not quite where we are but on its way yeah and imagine that we're cruising around and some of them are seeing our craft or what have you they would probably start having all kinds of exotic things about that, whoa, my lord! What what is this, and who are they, and, and you know, are they time travelers or whatever else? We'd be up in their ships, come no, We're just humans. We just came up with that, the, you know, the the interstellar drive thing about 40 years ago, and we're here, and and uh, we still have the same problems back home that we had before. But we can we're traveling around the, the you know the galaxy a little bit, and and uh, you know, and we still watch uh, you know Netflix. In fact, we have a lot of recorded Netflix stuff on our trip, right? So that we, we entertain ourselves. Think about it that way. And you go, well, you know, yeah, right. We, we, if we could do that, and we may yeah. very well yeah. be able to do that, how bizarre and exotic and profound are we? Yeah. We're just space-faring humans. So when you turn it around that way, start to think about the ETs that way. And you might, got a little, you might get a little less worked up about it. Mm. Uh, In other words, the truth embargo is served by any kind of hyper explanations or emotional response or fear or anything else. It serves the truth embargo, the desire to keep this under wraps. And I am still of the mind that the principal reason that the national security structures kept this under wraps wasn't because the ET thing was going to just explode our brains, but because they were having to deal with it at the same time that we were building thousands and thousands of nuclear weapons because we're still idiots Mm -hmm. and, and we could use them at any time. And for them, that was the real threat, not the ETs. And so it service, it serves them to maintain that embargo to the extent that people have very exaggerated views and emotions about the ET presence. Uh, And so that makes that, those those uh, threads are very suspect to me now i could be proven wrong it could be there oh my god when when it comes out we may learn oh i understand why you did that oh my lord what i just learned the headache i'm getting oh that's possible and i'll yeah. go okay i get it but i'm not going to put my money down on that yeah no
0: no i agree there's definitely the chance isn't there but i yeah i don't, I don't think i have to hope and i don't think it's going to end up like that um <laughs> this next question I had asked a few times in kind of slightly different ways if you if if each country that is researching UAP are doing it alone uh why do you think they all decided to keep their info secret how and why could every government not rush to be the first to unequivocally present absolute proof of the existence of UAP and of extraterrestrial um of extraterrestrial life or okay, is it well, the other way around? Is is there a grander conspiracy where they're all kind of in on this secret together and you know and I try to stay and... away
1: from the, the term conspiracy. Okay? Yeah, understandably. Not constructive. Not constructive. <laughs> uh, the number of countries that could really do any significant research on ET phenomena is limited. Okay. Yeah. There's only a few. Um and you betcha. Uh the, the we know that the Soviet Union and Russia is studying this issue intensely. We know that China is, Uh, the U.K., perhaps. So we know that there's been enough leaked information and what have you. And Paul Stonehill has done a lot of research on the Soviet Union and Russia. Uh, He's a a Ukrainian uh, living in the United States, and uh, he's done a lot of good stuff. But others have gone over there. So we know that. OK, so that, you know, the fact that they're not doing research is not compelling because if they're doing research on ET, science, or technology, they're going to classify it, too. Same thing. Really, the question is, why have a fairly substantial number of nations essentially not, not unilaterally tried to break the embargo, mm. right? break the truth embargo? Like some nation, well, they're, they're, you know, when, we, when we embargoed Cuba, another one of the stupid things that U.S. has done, when we embargoed Cuba, there are certain nations that screw that, we're gonna trade with them all day long, okay? In other words, they, they would not go along with that embargo. Why has it been so consistent in, on, the, on, the, on the truth embargo on the ET issue? It's a tough one. Boy, and I here's the short answer. The embargo begins, starts to form in 47, gets more intense around 53. This period from 47 to 53 is post-World War II. The United States and Russia were the two major players with the UK coming in third. We all defeated the Axis powers, right? The US was the hero in the Western world without question. Right? Uh, UK coming in second. Uh, and so we were highly regarded and we were now the leader. We were the leader of the Western world. Mm-hmm. Uh, but more importantly, as the world began to understand that the Soviet Union, which was not part of the Western world, it helped defeat the Nazis, but it had other things in mind and was was at a place where it was viewed as a potential threat when people realized that the Soviet Union was gonna start developing missile technology and nuclear weapons and become the second nuclear power right after us by just a few years. They re- it was very clear, I think, to all of our allies that the the one nation that could, quote, be a bulwark to communism and its potential nuclear threat was us, nobody else, all right? And so if you were part of the Western world and an ally of the United States, whatever we wanted to do, whatever was in the interest of protecting uh, the West, they were going to go along with it, period. In other words, whatever you want, you got it. And so... All of those nations, to the extent that they, they started to get and grasped that there was this ET reality, knew that the U.S. wanted it contained, that it was going to be classified, it was going to be embargoed, and their attitude is, if that's what you want to do, United States, you betcha. Mm-hmm. And so that pretty much, th- 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 so in other words, that group came together with us as the leader, and that's, that's part of the embargo. Then you've got two other major countries, post uh, 1952, Soviet Union and China. Obviously, neither one of those has ended this, broke this embargo, has violated this embargo. Why? Why did they go along? Right, we're mortal enemies. essentially. Yeah. we were. We were definitely,
0: you know, geopolitical enemies. They would love uh, to get. Why, why did over, they break right? it? Why now? They would love to get one over on the U.S. Well, or to I mean, kind of yeah, get I mean, ahead they, of the game. Would, would
1: and that they? Kind would of they? Thing. Yeah, they're not. In other words, if they're they're doing. If they're going along with the embargo, it isn't because of love of us or yeah. admiration for the United States. Okay, we got yeah. that. Yeah. So, was there another reason? I, and I think the reason is fairly obvious. Starting go, particularly going back to the fifties, the early days, because the embargo starts and then develops an institutionalized life of its own. So, if you go back to the fifties. What do you have? Well, you've got, you've got a deeply communist Soviet Union and a deeply communist China, all right? We're talking about the era of Mao. We're talking about Stalin and so forth. And so these are very autocratic systems, control state systems. Uh, that, that, that's what they are. And so from their point of view, telling their citizens that we're not alone in the universe. There's other systems out there, other planets, other entities with higher technology. That is not in the interest of a controlled state. That is not in the interest of an autocratic state that is basically, it keeps order and manages itself by demanding and getting full allegiance from the people. You do what we want, when we want, or there will be consequences. We don't want you protesting. We don't want you thinking outside the box. The worst, the, the best example of this is North Korea. They're the ultimate, but you know, China, neither China nor the Soviet Union could ever achieve what happened in North Korea. That's why it's called the Hermit Kingdom. Mm-hmm. But I think deep down, they'd love to have pulled it off, right? There was an entire Soviet Union run like North Korea. Yeah. And so from their point of view, no, 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 no. We're not gonna let us know about that. We'll deal with it, but the, the America, they don't need to know this. All they need to know is the Communist Party is the supreme ruler of this country, and you just get that, and that's all you need to know. Same thing in China, and so these control autocratic states. They went along with the Truth Embargo. As far as they're concerned, that's fine with us. Yeah. All right. And then the question, and I've raised a thousand times in the last twenty-six years, is would they ever break from that? And I raise that all the time. And the reason i did it was not to encourage china or or russia to end the truth embargo which i don't think would necessarily be in the best interest of the planet but to keep telling our government you know you keep dragging this thing out they could do that you know right i mean are, are is, is 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 uh uh xi jinping and putin are, are they working for you and actually they are actually cia ops and they're getting a paycheck from the soviet union right are, are they actually your guys because if they're not, they could do this at any time, and you, you keep dragging this thing out. Like, hey, no, nah, it's no problem. It'll all happen when we want it to happen. They wouldn't screw with this, and I, and I keep reminding them of that, in, in hopes that it might just spur them a little bit to maybe get the job done. Yeah. All right. And so that is the basic answer. There are a lot of other countries out there, I suppose, that could take, you know, make a wild, you know, play and come forward but say uruguay decided the president of uruguay decided to come forward and say there's extraterrestrials here i confirm it today i don't think it would go very far. i don't think it would go far i i just it just wouldn't happen it would be embarrassing
0: mm.
1: it would be interesting and it might stimulate the process but it wouldn't end the truth embargo no right so yeah. that's how that's one of the many reasons why this thing is managed to last this long but i tell you the the ultimate answer to that is really a massive volume book from uh from a major research project that will explain all this and it hasn't been written yet
0: yeah no i got you but that makes a lot of sense that even though there would be large benefits to come from being the one to reveal this they prefer the benefit of having everybody in their country under control and not not shaking, not not shaking the boat, not, not not rocking the boat too much. Yeah, if you
1: look at Russia right now, the only reason that Putin's getting away with the Ukraine war is because they've really got most of the population completely bamboozled. Yeah, right. Anything that that would that, that would that would endanger that stasis that they have this propaganda stasis where everybody's going, oh yeah, there's a bunch of Nazis down there. We have got to go kill them. You know, so if they start thinking about extraterrestrials, they may start Mm. thinking, wow, there's extraterrestrials and other civilizations. Why are we bombing the hell out of the Ukraine?
0: Yeah.
1: I mean, that would be a logical question. And of course, they would immediately have to be put in prison. But again, so I mean, this is, I'm trying to make a joke out of something pretty damn serious. All right. Um, uh, So, so let me reemphasize. If that is true, if that's why communist China and communist Soviet Union and Russia, well, Communist Soviet Union and autocratic Russia have done it. Why are we doing it, okay? Why are we doing it? We're not an autocratic state, right? What, what's the mind control, population control, uh, worldview control thing that w- that's on our mind that's going, yeah, we can't, we can't confirm this, right? I'd li- that's a question I'd like to ask some of these people. What exactly yeah. was going on, okay? uh in other words it's obviously not the same reason and it's a reason i fear that we will probably question I
0: mean, my gut feeling is it will probably in a lot of ways come back to to money to profit and to things like that i would imagine a, a, maybe 75 years worth of time since roswell they've been trying to figure out how to how to make a profit from this you know and they wouldn't want to maybe make it fully public until they're ready and set up in that department to capitalize on it. It's just a little theory I have. Yeah, um, look, look. I'm sure there's more I, to it.
1: I I, I, I I, would not phrase it that way. The government, the military intelligence community is maintaining the truth embargo not to make money. Okay, I assure you. Mm. Now, there are people who have made money from our research programs and so forth, government contractors, perhaps. There are people out there that are making money that might have to shift their business model if ET technology were revealed. Yeah, but the idea that the truth embargo and all that it took to do it was being done so people could line their pockets—that's that's that's that is a certain, a certain. I um, would just say um, there are people that that people like to look at the world that way. That kind of services their worldview, but I, it's not accurate. And so I tend to, uh, to push back against it because it's important that the activist movement be accurate. In other words, it's important that we try as hard as possible to ascribe to all of the, the, the working entities in this issue, a relatively accurate explanation of what's going on and not ascribe things that it's not true. Because that, that, that violates the fundamental premise that this is a truth advocacy movement. It also alienates people that could be allies right but i understand that the truth embargo has left it open for that in other words essentially because they they they, they won't admit there's ets here then you have you have a license to ascribe anything to it because we don't have the full picture so make it anything you want okay call it a religious cult there's people that have kind of gone and gone down that way that there's kind of a religious cult inside the government and that religious cult is so so fundamental that they they simply won't let it out all right and i'm going come on Ah, that that's not what's going on here, and so that's not helping. But again, we don't know for sure, so I, I need to be humble and not not uh, not uh, overstate.
0: Yeah, well, I can't wait to find out if we ever. Um, why have intelligence and government leaders suddenly become much more communicative about UAP, uh, and and why is all this like happening now?
1: Yeah, the the simple answer, is that all of the work all of the effort to keep this issue alive, to do re- public service, public research, uh, genre journalism, uh, pressure of the mainstream journalism, all of the efforts over all of these years brought us to a point where we could move to a place where the comfortability level of engaging the issue became uh, appropriate. Uh, and as I've mentioned before, the thing that really broke through was the events of 2017, and, and the fact that for whatever reason, the New York Times felt, yeah, we're going to do some major, we're going we're going to do these articles. This is a big deal. We're going to do them, right? Uh, they, they they clearly had the potential to change the the situation, maybe even break the back of the truth embargo. Uh, and and for for decades, the New York Times position was we're not going to we're not going to uh, go there. They said, Matt, we're going to go there. Uh, part of the reason was the people that came forward were high-level national security people with, with jobs at the CIA and the DIA and, uh, and so forth, including researchers. Clearly, something was going on inside the military intelligence complex that, uh, that, that I think the New York Times looked at and said, looks like things are happening. Let's get on board. So they put those articles in play, and things started picking up. And, and every time another article turns up, every time one person comes forward, it makes it easier for the next person. And so it's essentially a, 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 it's a ball it's rolling thing. down the hill,
0: yeah, right? Uh,
1: and, and so what's happening now, the reason it's now is because that's when that started, mm-hmm. right? It could have been five years ago, 10 years ago. Um, but a whole lot of people help make this happen. In other words, if we are now on the end, on the goal line, and we are about to, to either run the ball over or pass, pass into the end zone for the, for the big touchdown, okay, how do we get there? Because a whole bunch of other people, starting back at the other goal line, have been moving this ball up the field for 75 years, all working together, pushing it, pushing and pushing it, right, until we finally get to the goal line. That's how you score a touchdown, right, okay, yeah. and so – so now that touchdown is going to be scored. And, and it's also the case that when a, in football, when a touchdown gets scored, it's, it's, only, it's either by one person who, who, who runs it in or two persons, who, one who passes it to the other. And they're the ones that spike the ball. They're the ones that, you know, and everybody else is going, hey, you know, uh, we, we did our job, but nobody gives a crap about them. It's like, the, you know, the, who, who scored the touchdown? The blockers. And, 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 and I like that analogy because the, the touchdown that's about to be scored that we'll, we'll call the disclosure touchdown. It's basically, it's a it's a two-party touchdown. It, it's uh, it's Mel- Elizondo and Mellon. Uh, and who's passing the ball to who, I don't know. It doesn't really matter. But these are the two gentlemen that are gonna be spiking the ball in the end zone. These are the two guys that are probably gonna be holding up the Super Bowl trophy, right? And everybody else, everybody's no, not, a whole lot of the people, right? Help get this trophy, right? all the rest of the team and the trainers and everything else. But, uh, you know, we're the ones holding the trophy. That's the way, that's the way life is. Uh, and that's fine with me. All right. So that's the best answer I can give. Why now it, because that's the way it worked out. Uh, yeah. the, 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 these people got to the point where they were prepared to do what they did. And that's the two, the stars Academy, and then follow that up with the approach to the Hill and to the, to the media. And they had the gravitas that people in the field, the genre where I work, didn't quite have. And they 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 broke through, things started moving forward. We started changing the language, no UFO, UAP, blah, blah, blah. And the next thing you know, it's 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 a thing. The next thing you know, it's totally acceptable. It's okay, it's safe. We've been trying to make it okay and safe for a long, long time. And now it is. And so everybody should
0: pat themselves on the back and get ready to move forward. Yeah. It was a great analogy, by the way. I really, I really enjoyed that. The uh, the disclosure touchdown uh, fits fits really well. But um, I've got to come up with a version of that for soccer. Otherwise, Europe is just not going to get it. So I I'll, personally, I'll personally, I prefer the uh, the aversion from from your side. But yeah, yeah you know. it's a little tighter. <laughs> um, yeah. The only other thing I was wondering with that one is, yeah, the snowball effect I felt was the most, you know, the most logical effect. That the other, so I guess it's not then that we've had a massive increase in frequency of UAP, uh, which no. is a good thing. That's a good thing. Um, so another question. About the same, about the same. But
1: but people are paying attention more. So yeah. it's possible getting a little more reports yeah. uh, and the news are willing to report them. But I have a feeling that overall their activity has pretty much been relatively consistent most of the 70 year
0: yeah and it's like you said the the more that this happens the more people that that see something and then report it the next person that sees something see. feels more able to report it um and yeah it's kind of the snowball effect in every different department um hi Mr Bassett I'm a long time admirer of your efforts bringing attention to the phenomenon my thanks I've also been following this subject for decades I think I see political progress but I have thought that before only to be disappointed do you mm-hmm. honestly believe that the truth embargo is close to being lifted, and if so, will it be within a year, five years, a decade, mm-hmm. or when?
1: There have been times over these last twenty years, particularly when the, the potential was higher than it is now. I mean, lower than it is now. It's varies. It varies. It depends upon historical circumstances, mm-hmm. and that's tough. It's tough. Um, from an as an activist you have to take the fundamental position it can happen at any time. You, you simply cannot engage government policies on the basis of, okay, we need to get something done. We need to do the right thing. I'm willing to settle for 60 years. I'll give you 60 years, do the right thing. No, you don't do that. You never do that, right? You know, Gandhi and the people you know, seeking independence for India didn't go to the British and say, look, you need to live in india we need you need to leave india uh we're willing to settle for 35 years okay you will give you 35 years get the hell it's like you need to leave it now
0: okay it's funny though that that's what they're doing with net zero right they're like oh we'll, we'll cut down <laughs> we'll, we'll reduce the emissions in 50 years anyway carry on sorry <laughs> just made me think of well Okay, I have to think about that one. Uh,
1: the, 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 uh, the, the global warming, and that, that is a much more complicated, yeah. uh, 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 how would you say, activist area. Uh, Let's uh, not go down the civil road. civil <laughs> rights, India, this is much more basic, okay? That's a little more complicated. But uh, overall, no, you, you don't do that in activism, all right? Um, and the reason it's harder for the, the global warming movement is, not, is a non-trivial reason. And, and let me tell you, I'm glad I'm not a global warming activist. That is really hard. I mean, that is going to be totally brutal. Anyway, the point is, is that it's always, we want it now and we can have it now. And so I'm constantly emphasizing when the opportunities are there and then history, it doesn't happen, okay? The prospects now are very, very good. They could end, this thing could end at any time. We're seeing things we've never seen before. We're in a whole nother place. Unless someone is relatively familiar with the whole 75 year history, they would not appreciate how in another place we are. And so from them point of view, it's like, well, yeah, we've learned some new stuff, so what? Okay, uh, I understand that. But if the historical perspective to me shows that we are at a place where we could have it at any time. Look, when you, when you have, when you have a, a guy who has a NASA contract, he lost it now, but he has a NASA contract and he's a billionaire and he goes on 60 Minutes and says there's ETs here. And then, and then not that long after that, you've got a member of Congress, Tim Burchette, that basically says, yeah, there's extraterrestrials here. Okay, you're in a different place than you were in 1960, 70, 80, 85. And so it could happen at any time. Uh, it's not the movement's fault that we've developed, we've gone into a, a bizarre political time in America. Uh, it's not the movement's fault, and, and the people that rushed the Capitol and broke in, uh, they didn't do it because they wanted to disrupt the disclosure movement. That's a whole separate thing, but boy, is it not helping, all right? And, 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 and I mean, it's not our fault that, uh, it's not the disclosure movement's fault that that the world spent too much money on nuclear weapons, not enough money, preparing for a pandemic. I guess they thought there would never be another one, Right. Uh, and so when the pandemic come, we had tons of nuclear submarines, but we didn't have enough hand sanitizer. It's not our fault. And so all these things are making it harder. All right. However, I have, I have friends and colleagues that thinks it's 10 years out. And, and they tell me that and it irritates the hell out of me. Okay. Um, all I can say is, is the platform and the basis is there for disclosure this year. Uh, and if the situation in Ukraine gets much better if the pandemic gets a little more manageable and we get some political stability, say, in the next five months or so, though this next election could be total chaos. I'm literally looking forward to that. Oh, God. um, Then early 2023 uh, certainly could happen. Um, We know there's more evidence coming out, and we know there's more witnesses coming forward. So the question is, how much can the 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 truth embargo stand before just the sheer weight Mm. of evidence and so forth crushes it all right it's like it's like putting weights on that scale right you can keep putting weights on that scale but until you reach a certain point it does not drop
0: yeah but
1: you know you're getting closer okay you know you're getting closer and so people are saying when's the scale going to drop when's just keep putting weight on the damn thing and eventually it will drop, will not, it will not. So I, I, I you know, if look, if I'm, if, if I'm going to have to take some heat from constantly emphasizing disclosure could happen at any time based upon circumstances, I'm willing to take that heat. Mm-hmm. And if it ends up taking 10 more years, I, I will rightfully be remembered as an absurdly optimistic guy who was a pain in the ass, but we liked them uh but hey it took 10 more years okay and i'm going you know from from some
0: higher plane i'm going ah what can i say nobody's perfect yeah (laughs) and 10 years as well in in you know the grander scheme of things is is nothing as well isn't it um well it's not it is something in this reason And i'll say this i don't think we get 10 more
1: years without a nuclear war okay well if anybody wants to try to, to to you know talk about should we have disclosure now or later? What should be the time frame? Mm. Consider this. I don't think we can get 10 years without a nuclear war. And so something had better change. Yeah. Okay, something's gotta happen, or that's what you get. All yeah. right. So if you're cool with the nuclear war, then don't, don't don't press too hard for disclosure and go with the flow, right? You know, it's like, yeah, it's nuclear war. And, and, and if you're one of those people, you got this two million dollar house with a with a with a bunker underneath in new zealand that you bought some time ago and and you
0: got a private plane you're ready to leave on a moment's notice don't worry about it you'll be fine let me just put it the other way around as well the same question at what year would you say if if disclosure still hasn't happened would you be shocked so if it hasn't happened in 10 years would you be shocked or surprised what about 15 years at what point would you go from being okay no real like you know it is what it is to wow i'm shocked it hasn't happened by then
1: look let me let me put it this way the, you, this is you're making this way too much about me what 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 would shock me or not shock me is utterly unimportant right <laughs> you know this is not about me i'm just an activist involved in this okay this it's like you know my, my attitude is not you know really for me to be fulfilled as a human being we need to get this done now or otherwise i'm just going to be very unhappy when i die no nah, no nah, forget that look it's about the human race it's about how how can we do better can we can we make life better and can we make life better for the planet do we have to continue to do what we do because it's really offensive to any reasonable person mm. that's really the way to approach it but i'll i'll be clear i'm restating if it wasn't for the nuclear arms race if it wasn't for the fact that we've almost had nuclear war it it really wouldn't matter if if we were running if we were conducting ourselves like it, 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 in a way that that reflected our full ability to understand what is right and wrong and what is destructive and constructive and and we had matured and become fully sentient beings, as opposed to very smart people with a, with a, with a emotional IQ of like 50, uh, uh, it wouldn't matter. In other words, the plan would be going well, maybe there'd be an ET presence. We might notice it, but the ETs, well, you know, if they want to open things up, take things further, they'll do it when they, when they, when they want to, it's okay. I wouldn't be talking like this. I wouldn't mm-hmm. be doing what I'm doing. Right. In other words, everything is pretty much fine. And you know, all the ETs are gonna open up to us when they want to, right? Uh, and so it would be kind of a, it would be, it would, in other words, there would be much, much more appropriate activist endeavors to get into than that, all right? But that's not the case. There are two things going on that insist that we press this as strongly as possible. One of them is the fact that there is non-invited, non-consensual contact going on between ETs and human beings, and it's not fun for a lot of these people. It is inappropriate. Uh, It violates, I think, certain fundamental natural law, and it needs to come to an end. And I believe the only chance of that happening is we've got to get to disclosure and open contact. It may not end it. It may be we could be in full open contact and and the ETs are going, look, we're not going to destroy you, but we're still going to be having... contact with you whenever we want on a one-on-one basis because we got a program here and it's, it's important. And 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 that will be a public relations problem for the ETs. But I think the best chance that contactees have of that, that are really not wanting this contact and their numbers are non not small is ending this truth embargo and getting to open contact. That's one. But the second one is this, we are dancing with nuclear war. We've been dancing with this devil for 75 years. One day we're going to fall into the, the, in, on the edge of the volcano. We're going to fall in. And so as far as I'm concerned, and, and this is who I am, I'm an anti-war activist, that's really what I am. I just don't use that moniker because I want, to, I want to make a distinction here, is that I believe the only chance that we have to not finally use those weapons, which would be, well, actually that's not true, uh, there has never been a weapon that the that the human race has invented they didn't use to kill people mm. there is not a single example of this not one it's possible we have anti-matter, anti-matter weapons we know the air force has been working on anti-matter weapons for 20 some years and if we have that then then that's one we haven't used except any matter weapon is just a nuclear weapon only much worse and so in a sense we we so there i don't believe there is one including lasers okay and so wow. Given that, in all of the human history, there isn't a weapon we never ever use, and we've used nuclear weapons once, this idea that we will not use them again is absolutely ridiculous. It is absurd. Mutual assured destruction is an v- unbelievable, a dangerous illusion that just keeps us content, right? Mm-hmm. While, you know, and, 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 and let me tell you something. And, and anybody who goes and watches for the first time, uh, don't look up, or watches don't look up again, mm-hmm. right? Great film. And I don't know if it's the intention of the of the filmmakers here or not, but it doesn't matter. You need to watch that in a, in a in, a as a dual movie. In other words, it's not just about the meteor just doesn't represent global warming. That meteor represents nuclear war as well. It's both things, because I can assure you, right? Our obstinance and refusal to properly address the nuclear war threat is every bit, if not worse, Uh, and more delusional than our inability to grasp the global warming threat. If only because the global warming threat is far more difficult to comprehend, far more difficult to get. The -hmm. science is so much more complicated, and it it is a a gradual process involving nature and everything else, whereas the nuclear threat is an absolute straightforward matter. We built them. We have them. We threaten to use them. Will we use them or not? And so, if, and so the fact that people are playing a little fast and loose and, and not being committed to the global warming issue is it, it, got my attention. But the fact that we have basically gone in the tank on the nuclear threat issue, like we don't even pay attention hardly anymore, except when somebody is claiming, to, threatening to use the weapons like Lavrov. And to me, that's existential to the max. And so that is... That is the the, the point here, why seven years, 10 years matters. Uh, For me, getting disclosure is not about, oh, my God, we're finally going to get a chance to meet the ETs. That would be nice. I do what I do for one fundamental reason. I believe it is the only chance we have of not having that nuclear war. Right. And I'm happy to debate that with anybody, including political scientists at Harvard or anybody else or all the standard people that have all that granular information about geopolitics that we'll get into. Well, no, we would not use those weapons because of this or that or whatever. But to have that debate with them. Right. And those debates are not even happening. You ever heard that? Have you ever had a couple of politicians sit down who are running for the presidency or any major office and have a, 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 a back and forth discussion about whether we would have a nuclear war or not? They won't touch them with a 10-foot pole because that's the real stuff. And, the, and you get elected by basically getting people paying attention to a bunch of nonsense, right, mm. and get them into that. And then before you know it, they're so confused, they go ahead and vote for you. Mm. This is what's going on. And I will hammer this until the day I die. It turns out the way it's working out is that we simply could not deal with, with the weapons issue and war. We built the weapons that will destroy us all. The ETs advanced their engagement of us right after we built those weapons. They've turned our nuclear weapons off. This whole thing is coming together. It's pretty clear. We, we're, we're going to use those weapons unless something happens. The ETs don't want us to use those weapons. And unless they intervene and, and, and deliberately come in and, and stop it all, which they could, then it's going to come, come down to us. And so anybody that says to me, look, I'm not going to, I'm not going to support nuclear weapons and non-proliferation. I'm not going to support diplomacy because ETs will take care of it. Uh, they're going to do it. I'm going, okay, great. You know, good, fine. Good for you. Um, but please don't, don't ever talk to me again. Okay. I mean, let's get real here. Yeah. It's time for the human race to be responsible for what it does.
0: Yeah.
1: It built 86,000 nukes. We need to be responsible for that. We've tested them 3000 times and basically Uh, polluted the world with nuclear radiation, right? A lot of people haven't spent much time thinking about that. They forgot about all those tests we did. Okay. One of the reasons there's a cancer epidemic in the 20th century is we made the whole goddamn world radioactive, right? You don't hear anybody talking about that. Do you? All right. There was hardly any cancer in this 18th and 19th century and the 20th century it explodes. Okay. So we need to take responsibility for this. And so to me, the disclosure movement is an anti-nuclear war movement. And that is the reason people need to get behind it. If they're, if, if they're going, look, I don't give a damn whether there are ETs here or not. I'm going, I can appreciate that. Do you care whether there's a nuclear war? Well, yeah, I got three kids, right? And I say, well, if you care, there's going to be a nuclear war, you need to get on on, on this issue. You need to get involved in this issue. You need to get involved in the disclosure movement because that is exactly what is at stake. And if anybody wants to make the case, no. There is no connection between our nukes and the ETs, and the chance of a nuclear war is virtually practically zero. Uh, let them step forward, right? Of course, they're going to get savage, because now they've made a target of themselves on this issue. But let them do that, and let's see how it goes for them. Because I believe at the center of, 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 of people right now, at the center – the emotional right now, the emotional center of of, of people and 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 this on this planet, particularly in the uh, developed nations like the United States and elsewhere, there is a fundamental angst. I mean, literally, it's there; it never goes away. A fundamental angst that it all could end tomorrow. That's not the same as I'm going to die. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. I'm going to die. That's that's fine. Everybody deals with that. No, I'm talking about it's all over tomorrow. Like it's all over for me, my kids, my kids' kids, my dog, my cat, everything. Okay. Try to think about that. In other words, you talk about reasons and 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 why we're here, and all it's all over tomorrow. And we've been carrying that around planet wide, and we're wondering why there's so much mental illness and drug use and and, and acid indigestion and and upset. How, how could it not be that way right you, you live in a world where we built weapons that'll blow it all up and, and 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 as they say appropriately that if you survive it you'll wish you hadn't mm. the, 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 the the living will envy the dead and that that is in and whether you're, you're you're paying attention or not you absorb it right you can't not know this everybody knows this some and everybody absorbs it and it's down inside of us right this this sense of, we could we could it could all end tomorrow because we will literally commit what's the word i'm looking for special suicide mm. okay that's got to stop yeah i mean my god and, and 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 one of the reasons it hasn't is let's list all of the academic intellectuals essayists politicians uh commentators who have Come forward and talked about that. How many people? How many people are already spending time talking about that? How, how many? How many nonprofits are are devoted to trying to get this across? Where are they? They're nowhere. It's like, look, that's the way it is. You can't handle it. Tough. All right. Take a bunch of Xanax. Do what you got to do. Deal with it. That's the world we live in, right? And we're just not going to deal with it. Well, screw them. All right. Screw them all. History will eventually record one day that we finally got out from under this Damocles sword. We finally got through this thing where ev- ev- that the human race is raised on Detra is to make more weapons and kill more people, to have more wars. This thing that we've been doing from the very beginning, the moment we became, quote, civilized. We finally got out be- under it because of the work of thousands of people who worked to end the truth embargo, to to allow the intersection between the human race and other non-human species, finally succeeded, got disclosure, possibly open contact, and the world decided in the post-disclosure era, this has to stop. If we are one of thousands of uncountless species in a galaxy this vast, and all of that is out there, we cannot continue to constantly threaten our very existence with our own weapons. This is not complicated. And it has to stop. And they come together and agree. I'm not suggesting that, that Russia and China and the United States are all going to start uh, having you know, annual celebrations of their friendship. I'm not expecting we we'll all get together at sing Kumbaya. I'm simply saying that we'll finally get together at the table and say, this has to stop. Yeah. We're coexist. getting rid of these weapons. This is what this is about, right? And I'm looking forward to very soon having the opportunity to say this on a much larger platform, which will be good for you because <laughs> you won't have to you won't have to listen to me do it, so, you know, and take up all your time. But that is what's going on here, Ben. Uh, and I, I hope that your listeners are hearing this because I'm telling you their future and the future of their progeny and whatever that means to them is at stake, right? If they're thinking, no, it's all going to work out, no problem, we're going to solve hunger, we're going to solve global warming, we're going to solve all of the various issues that are creating the pain and the suffering in this world, and everybody will have a place to live and food and clothing and all that, and it's all going to be fine, then they're living in a complete delusion. It's kind of a Westworld thing. They need to wake up. They they are absolutely clueless. And that's unfortunate. It's not going to be that way. right? We have gone to great lengths to ensure that the prospects of that are diminishing before our eyes, literally diminishing. And, and and it's ironic as hell that as I'm approaching maybe a breakthrough in my work and we're getting all these activities in Washington DC with politicians coming forward and we're really making progress literally as that is unfolding, right? And the news coverage is just pouring forward At that point, a a, a world leader invades another country and it immediately starts threatening the use of nuclear weapons. And then his foreign, foreign, uh, uh, what do you call him? Uh, What what is Lavrov? He's their foreign foreign, secretary. Uh, He starts threatening it. And then it starts coming up in, in the American press. And so the potential for the use of nuclear weapons in the Ukraine, tactical, they call it limited, the limited use approach where you use it to stop the use of even bigger weapons. And and, 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 and then you've got North Korea and Soviet and Russia bragging about hypersonic missiles, one of which traveled around the world and I forget how a little bit of time, talking about how they cannot be stopped, they cannot be shot down, they get there in like minutes, there's nothing you can do and we're building them. And then the US responds, that yeah, we are building them too. Though the U.S. is a little embarrassed because it's it, it's early hypersonic missiles didn't work out, and so now we're starting a hypersonic missile IBM race. And then and then Putin goes to the media and gives them a press conference and says this that the our hypersonic missiles have a group of ICBM. I mean, a group of of, of is MIRVed, and has a number of, of, of nuclear weapons inside. And those nuclear weapons are so powerful that one hypersonic missile can destroy almost all of Europe. Are you aware of that? Did you recall hearing that, that, that press release? I didn't
0: hear that. I didn't we remember that bit. destroy
1: most of Europe with a single hypersonic because every one of those MIRVs in there was something like, I forget how, how many megatons. And this is 2022? Mm-hmm. And you've got, the so, you've got the head of Russia saying, we have the ability to destroy Europe. And people are thinking, it'll all work out. No, it won't. Yeah, We are so close to blowing this whole thing sky high. And if, it, and if, if, it, it, and, and if nobody else wants to say that, then this crazy uh, disclosure activist, right, who doesn't have a PhD in political science, who actually thinks E.T.'s
0: here, I'm happy to say it and i'll say it and keep saying it until they drag me off and stick me in a rubber room it just needs a spark doesn't it it's like it's already doused in gasoline it just needs a spark like imagine if imagine if putin now with his private doctor no doubt he has a bunch of private doctors imagine many. if one of and them they never comes leave side, 24 hours a day yes so imagine starting tomorrow morning they say look vladimir don't know how to tell you this buddy but you've got a week to live you know, yeah. And then the next day, Biden or whoever else says something that, that gets under his skin and he has a bad morning, he doesn't sleep much. That's all it's going to take, really. I mean, it, we don't know what goes on inside this man's head. And we've worked ourselves into a situation where we've got all these nukes in the world. And yet they can be controlled by such a small amount of people. Like, it's, it's shocking it's, and terrifying. Let, let me let me help here.
1: There is a site that your your listeners need to pay attention to your viewers
0: i'll put it in the description what is
1: it it's called uh oh god hang on a second it's a simple name but it's a site that i I doubt that very few of your your viewers know about i'm about to tell you about it i'm just going to give you the the name just a second let me bring us up cool and then in Uh, a minute
0: we'll have to move on to the next question if you don't mind it's
1: okay that's okay no but this is this is This, look, this is the stuff your people need to know and trust me, they will thank you for it. Uh, Okay, yes. There is a site that is run by former military intelligence officials, optional people. It's it's an activist site and it is called, oh, wait a minute. Okay. I'm running out of system resources, so we can't have that. Hang on a second. Let me just, uh, let me just do this uh let's do this it's called defcon level.com d-e-f-c-o-n level.com most people know what defcon is it's defense condition one two three four all right and uh defcon five is nuclear war okay uh so what this site is doing is tracking nuclear war risk around the world, assigning DEFCON levels to various countries. Currently, I'm sorry, DEFCON one is nuclear war. Forgive me. Uh, currently, the Ukraine is in DEFCON two level. The United States is DEFCON three, but they're doing something else. In each area, particularly in the Ukraine area, they are they are they are publishing a constant stream of of, of what's going on. Neighbors are telling you this happened, this happened, this happened, this happened, and there may be a little commentary. So it's a running uh, uh, a news feed about what is directly happening. You, you really cannot find this anywhere else that I'm aware of, right? You can sign an article here or an article there, but this gives you a picture. And essentially this is where you can kind of get a sense of what is the status of things? What's, what are the risk factors? And 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 you will find you will find things at this site, uh, particularly in the in the Ukraine zone. I think it's called the, I forget which zone it is, but Ukraine's in a certain zone. It's a Devon 2. And you learn things like there's tactical nukes. At the in in, in, in there's tactical nukes sitting at, at the at the uh, uh, at the at the edge of that war in Ukraine. They're there, okay. Which means that any one of those commanders could get a I don't know get a little weird or upset or whatever or be in a situation decide to use one because they felt they had to without asking permission things like that okay and again (laughs) most people don't want to know that they want to know how how close they are to the end they want to constantly be kept in the illusion that everything is going to work out and of course that's exactly how you get world war one that's exactly how you cut world war two it's gonna be okay, it's all right, let's do it this way, let's do it that, way. it's not gonna be a problem, next thing you know, you've got a world war going on. All right, well, the next time is gonna be World War III, and it's gonna be nuclear. And so I encourage people to, to go to that site DEF CON level, that'll give you a little more understanding of why, when I go on these rants about the connection between nuclear, uh, the nuclear arms race, the risk of nuclear war, the presence of extraterrestrials, and the most compelling evidence that they have definitely tampered with our nukes. Why when you look at all that and put it together, you should get very intense about getting this issue resolved, right? It's not some trivial thing. It's not a hobby. It's not a, a vanity thing like, you know, boy, you know, I'd I like to be the first one to, to do this or I wanna, I wanna be able to talk to an ET one day or I wanna f- be able to fly in an anti-gravity craft. No, that's all that's all trivial. It's about the fact that our very existence is uh, at stake, mm-hmm. finally, after all these 10,000 years. And one of the things that's going on right now that's troubling me is that the global warming issue, which is real, and, is, and if it's not dealt with, is going to create a lot of uncomfortability for human beings, okay, that people are put, pouring enormous energy into that man, wow, we, that's what we gotta focus on. That's what we've gotta do because you know Florida could be underwater in 10, 20, 30 years, or we're gonna have climate changes and so forth. And I'm going, okay. They're putting all of this energy into that, into something that's going to take many years to unfold. And there are some things we can do to address it, okay? Yeah. And they're putting nothing, no energy at all, into the fact that it all could blow up tomorrow. Nuclear war isn't 20 years, Florida's underwater. Nuclear war is tomorrow, it's over, okay? Two or 300 nukes and pretty much everything has gone to hell. And there's nothing into that. It's like, what can you do? So let's really spend, let's put all of our time and effort and resources and, and really deal with this awful existential threat of weather change and how it's going to affect overall human lifestyles. But let's not do a damn thing about the fact that we are on the edge of nuclear war every single day and it's getting worse. I don't know, I don't know how to respond to that. Yeah. How do you respond to that? Where is the logic here? Where's yeah. the just and I'm going, are you crazy?
0: Just wish right? it didn't I mean, have to be a choice, right? I wish we could just try and actually do the right thing as a as a species. <laughs> you know, uh, well, one of the reasons
1: that people are in that position is the politicians have left them there. The politicians are are do- taking that's what they're doing. They're saying, look, we're not gonna deal with this. We can't talk about this. All we wanna do is get elected, right? Uh, we'll talk about global warming because that, that's a little safer and maybe we can get some votes out of that from the, from the progressives and the green people or whatever the hell, but we're not gonna talk nuclear war because that'll upset you. Not that long ago, this is like two years ago, a former Secretary of Defense, whose name escapes me right now, it's easy enough to check, pretty sure it was the Secretary of Defense, made this statement. And I am not making this up. And it made the news; it was reported in you know a couple of major papers. And then you heard nothing after that. I think it got raised recently one time. Here was the statement that was made to the public by a former high-level person. I think it was a former secretary of defense. Actually, there's been a number of people that have come forward on this, but again, it's all faded in the in the in the background. Perhaps the biggest threat that we have in some ways is a EMT event, an EMT bomb, right? Which could be delivered or could be a, a, a satellite. In other words, it could be, a, a you know, we, there is no way to know for sure there isn't an orbiting nuclear weapon right now, right? Because when you, if you, when you send a rocket up, the, the trajectory is basically an orbital trajectory. It's going into orbit. All right, and so when we pick that up on our sensors, that is not viewed as a threat, right? If you put it into an orbit that clearly is what we'll call suborbital, instantly that's a potential threat. And believe me, (laughs) NORAD gets, you know, everybody puts their coffee down and starts paying close attention. But if it's an orbital, so if if you put something up there, they don't have the ability to know if that, that thing's not carrying a nuclear weapon. So one of the, one of the cool, one of the, not cool, but one of the interesting secrets or things that people don't know too much about is that we really don't know if there's nu- orbital nuclear weapons or not. Okay. But either way, whether it's suborbitally deliberate, the statement he made was this. EMT weapons in case people don't know this, are nuclear weapons that are designed not to just blow as much up as possible, but to generate the maximum electromagnetic pulse as possible. And that that pulse virtually obliterates all electronic systems. Okay. And his statement to the press was that one EMP weapon exploded over the United States at the right altitude would destroy enough sufficient infrastructure in the United States that within 12 months, half the people in this country would be dead. That was a public statement. And it was like, that's it, okay, move on. No big deal, okay? Now you would think a lot of people would go, you know, we, we should follow up on that. <laughs> really? I mean, you're the former Secretary of Defense and you said that? Uh, what's yeah. the current Secretary of Defense feel about that? What is the, pre- no, nothing, nothing. EMP, in fact, there was, there was one, one politician, I forget his name, again, I, I'll, I need to research this, that actually tried to make the EMP threat a big deal, and they really got into it, and they tried to get coverage, and it got in a kind of a thing for a while, and then it faded. And that, and then a couple of years later is when this, this, this former Secretary of Defense made this statement. Remember, they tried to bring it back alive. Because no, but it, it doesn't, what? It's too scary. It's too scary. I don't want to be afraid. I don't want to be worried about Don't scare me. Don't scare me. Mm-hmm. You, know, get, you know, take care of the country, uh, uh, provide all these things we want, solve all these issues, but don't scare me, okay? Uh, and the politicians have gotten that. Don't scare anybody. Don't, yeah. and, and for God's sakes, don't scare them by telling them the truth, right? Yeah. So there, there you have it. Uh, one EMP event, half the population is dead, gets put out in the public, and then nothing more is said. That's just one EMP, mom, okay? So they don't have to blow us up. Okay. Now, of course, we'll do the same thing, and one of the reasons why this was raised by these people and why it's a significant problem is that an EMP war where the nuclear powers are not hitting each other with the standard nuclear weapons but EMPing each other, uh, from the standpoint of the uh, those that are going to survive it, particularly the ruling class, is that it just kills people. It leaves the infrastructure recoverable, right? Right. So in other words, those that survive, the, in, the living aren't envying the dead. It's like, hey, whoever wins gets to take over, get those electronic systems going again, and you've got the whole world to yourself. Mm. In other words, it's war with a little less pain. That's why it's risky. That's why they're afraid it might be more likely the initial thing that this, that, this happens. Again, uh, you know, I know that you can edit this, and you will. But I'm 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 doing this, Ben, because this is practice for me. I'm, I'm 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 practicing getting this message out, and you are the victim here. But let me tell you, this is the message, right? If I if it's necessary to scare the bejesus out of people, then that's what I'm going to do. Uh, but in the context that there is an answer, there is a way out here. We've got We've got to end the truth embargo. We've got to do it, and we've got to impress upon the government that that keeping it uh, any longer no longer serves their their uh, the agenda, the national security agenda. In fact, it is a, a major threat to the national security agenda.
0: Okay, sorry. I think you put oh. it across well. I, I it was fascinating and terrifying, and yeah, it's it's grab not in a good grab place. what grab grab
1: the key aspects of that, put it together, and put that out. You don't have to put out the whole rant. Uh, I, 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 I uh, repeated myself several times, but you, you put that message out in a, in a, if you can edit that and get that message out to you, you're going to get a very powerful response from your viewers. It's I really believe on. that. And if you do, I'd like to know that.
0: I will. I'll let you know. Um, let's move on to the next one. Let's change pace a little bit here. Um, okay. So is there a connection between, this is again from Reddit. We're back to the Reddit ones. Is there a connection between UFOs and potential life after death? UFOs and consciousness, anything along these lines? Well, yeah, UAP look, um, and I know I said UFOs I'm reading it as it's there written are people um, that
1: there, 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 there are people out there that are trying to kind of see if there's cross connections and so forth. And, and I, that's fine. It, it's part of the, the general inquiry process. Let's look at all possibilities and all implications. Uh, that's not where I'm at. I, I, I don't, not investing much time in that. Uh the the, it, it, the one thing I could say is this: if there is one thing that might be driving inquiry about consciousness, that's part of the ET reality, EP world, legitimately so, is the fact that the contactory reports are absolutely consistent in in a number of things, and one of them is that they're all they're all telepathic, mm-hmm. which is really interesting, but it's not. It's interesting and, and profound, but in a sense, it's not too surprising. It, it appears that all the ETs that are engaging with us have two arms and two legs. That's interesting. Obviously, two arms and two legs is a thing. And in fact, we understand that. In fact, if you, if you, you know, read a little, some research on that, you discover that there's reasons why two arms and two legs is a thing. It has to do with the nature of gravity it has to do with the nature that we evolve on a sphere and, and gravity and how we deal with that. And as a result, the most efficient uh, uh, entity that most the most efficient entity that is liable to become sentient is going to have two arms, two legs, fingers, and one head. All right. So not so, and, and, and that that is a logical reason for that. And it turns out it seems to be the case. Okay, fine. It also turns out that sentience eventually becomes telepathic. That's pretty cool. All right. yeah. I could go in deeper about that, but just leave it there. And so telepathy means there is an ability for extraterrestrials to communicate over distance without saying anything. In other words, something is coming out of the brain that can be captured and sent. And so that alone has stimulated a lot of, of uh, serious Thought about that consciousness clearly is is got more more moving parts to it than than we currently know, yeah. And uh, um, and so in that sense, the, the phenomena is is generating some interest there. Uh, a lot of the interest in consciousness is coming from quantum mechanics, which is really not a UAP thing. It's not an ET thing. Uh, but it's 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 that that's that's the that's the best answer I can give. Uh, there are some people that are getting the more exotic stuff uh, that they think is UAP related and they're trying to associate it with consciousness and that's all fun. I, that's all good. I, I, but that's as far as I can go. Yeah. Telepathy is a big deal. Uh, We're going to learn more about it if we can get into open contact. And uh, then the question is, can, can human beings through some means or another become telepathic, literally in short order? or is it literally something that we will have to evolve to? I think we can do it in short order, either through technology or through genetic manipulation. Uh, and and, and uh, that is going to be a very interesting, provocative uh, post-disclosure topic, uh, the potential for telepathy amongst human beings. And it, it has been mentioned to me that the whole telepathy issue, which is really raised, I sure it really comes up, and anything you don't you don't see any Washington Post articles about the fact that ETs are telepathic, right, um, or about ETs in general, is that any government, and any 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 the military intelligence or national security component of any government, when contemplating the possibility of a telepathic society should be scared to death. In other words, just try to imagine you are are, uh, uh, managing a country, you're you're military, you're a politician, whatever, and suddenly you're confronted with the, the prospect that the people you're managing could be telepathic in a short amount of time. Think about that. Do you realize the implications of that? In other words, they, they're going to be able to read your mind. So when you go out to give that political stump speech, you're actually going to read your mind. Uh, uh, and, and the implications for marriage is I, hard to say. I, I've always said that if that actually happens, I, I, the divorces are going to be astronomical for a while.
0: Yeah. Right? And then after In that, words, they'll be like non-existent. <laughs> how do you govern
1: people that could read your mind? Unless there's a way to control it, meaning, yeah, we're telepathic, but I can turn it off, turn it on, whatever. But the the fear that telepathy may be a relatively rapid consequence of getting into disclosure and open contact could be was one reason why the government is so damn committed to prevent that as long as possible because they, they have no intention of, they, they simply can't imagine having to deal with that, that phenomena. It's, it's an interesting point. I don't know. Yeah. An, I'd love to ask, ask some people inside the government about that, but uh, I, it's something I'm looking forward to learning more about. Telepathy is a very big deal, but it's a side issue. It's a side dish
0: right now. Yeah. On that, on that same side dish, have you heard much about like a CE five, I think, you know, it's like where you kind of, I think people meditate or whatever and try and send out some message and try and hope that, that some ET craft or some light in the sky or whatever is going to sh- do something, maneuver itself, or, you know, they're going to see something come back to them. Have you ever come across that? Of course I've been yeah. on,
1: I've been out on one, You've been one, out and tried
0: it. I've been on another, there's CE five stuff going
1: on all over the world. Did, Did you have any success when you tried uh, it? small groups? You know, Stephen Greer may be considered the pioneer of this, uh, in a way. I think he, he is. That doesn't mean there wasn't some of that going on even before he turned up. Uh, wouldn't have, wouldn't have surprise me. But now it's the thing. Now, obviously, it's 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 advanced. Okay, mm-hmm. we'll call it graduate level, E.T. Uh, interaction and so forth, graduate level UAP stuff. The point is, it's very simple. If the contact reports of them being ex- uh, telepathic are true, which I believe they are, then you can communicate telepathically. And if you can communicate telepathically, then you could get together and, and put out a message, you know, come on down. Did you see anything when you went? No. Well, there were a few things that were intriguing, but nothing, nothing that you know, shocked me. But th- the point is that I've heard and I've heard that there have been incidences that have taken place at CE5 C- C- events. Yeah. But it's simply based on the fact they're telepathic, and therefore you could you could communicate with them and if in and and try to get them to show themselves. That's that's where the five comes in. Close Encounter of the Fifth Kind. Uh, look, I'm not I don't talk about this much, and it's and it's 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 for down the line. This is not how we're going to get to congressional hearings and no, end no, the truth no. embargo. But it's a pretty damn interesting thing. And I can also say that there are other, there's other evidence pointing to the fact that this telepathic thing is in play. One of the things that it comes up in contact uh, research is the phenomena, I call it, how did I forget the, ph- the camera phenomenon? <laughs> in other words, there are countless instances where people are confronted with a significant sighting event, okay? you know because there, there are people reporting the damn things coming down 20 feet over the ground okay including on the line. and so th- that's pretty significant right when they get when it gets that close and they got and 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 they, they've got a camera right there in fact they've been carrying it around just in that case yeah. and they don't pick it up they just don't pick it up and they're wondering how is it I didn't do that and the speculation is that basically they're they're they they're, they're pellets telepathically informed not to pick it up, okay? That they have the ability to manipulate minds. We know that. So this is, this is pretty, this is high level stuff, okay? I'm willing to talk about it, but I assure you, I don't, you know, I, I'm not gonna get into that if I'm being interviewed by any papers or the CNN or something, but, but uh, it, is, it is a major deal. And, and so uh, we have evidence that this is part of the relationship. Is it being abused? Overall, I don't think so. I think that if you if you read all if you read the accounts, the contact accounts, contact the accounts, they use it, but they don't seem to be abusing it.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, now, in science fiction, yeah, yeah, they're taking over our brains, they're controlling our activities, they're they're they're, <laughs> they're committing all kinds of mayhem and so forth. Uh, but like everything else, it's a possibility. Uh, but I, one of the things we're going to one, one of the things that, that, I, that I put on my list of uncomfortable, my uncomfortable list about post-disclosure, when I said, you're gonna learn some things that are gonna make you go, wow. And then you're gonna learn the things you go, oh boy. It, it, that, that's the way it's gonna be. That the telepathy is, is one of those uncomfortable things. A lot of people are gonna be struggling with that. And they're going, oh God. Because it's gonna, yeah. con- once you confirm the ET presence, you confirm the telepathy. Yeah. Because you confirm the contactee reports. And so now the world is going to have to grapple with the fact that there is telepathic sentience out there and very po- and, 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 and the evidence that has been out there that we can be telepathic. That some of us are telepathic, that it's not, it is not something that is outside uh, our, our, our capability, or, or at least what our brain can do. People are going to be grappling with that and be going, whoa. And so we're going to be in what we call the telepathic period. Where that is going to become a major source of study not that long ago they shut down all the programs on that they shut yeah. down the one at temple they shut down the one at, uh, at duke meaning ah, because they they, don't, they didn't want that to be pursued because telepathic studies at universities was getting too close to the uap thing and mm-hmm. so basically we need to stop that so they did watch what how fast the study of telepathy starts turning up at universities all over the country yeah. in the post-disclosure world when suddenly that concept is validated. They won't be able to study it fast enough. And that's going to, a lot of people are going to be, oh, God, please, I don't want to live in a telepathic world. <laughs> no, please, don't,
0: don't do it. Hold off. Wait till I die. I don't want to keep living in that world. Um, on to this next one. It's quite similar. Um do you think there is a connection between UAP activity and poltergeist type activity, such as what is described by researchers at Skinwalker Ranch? And I guess I'll add on to that by just what are your general thoughts on Skinwalker Ranch?
1: Uh, I, I think the one thing I can say that I think is worthwhile is that I, I believe that we will eventually come to understand that a very significant array of Experiences that people have reported over the centuries, over the millennia, okay, were et related. So that's simple. Yeah, I, this is sort of an ancient aliens thing, but uh, in more general. Jock Vale goes into this, and he, and he's right. You get into it very early. And he's one of that was one of the hallmarks of his early work. Ghosts and goblins and trolls and fairies, on and on and on and on and on. I think we're going to discover a great deal. That's ET. All right. Um, now, so now, now, will poltergeist, I, I don't know. I don't know. That That's not, not so clear to me. Uh, uh, and so there's some quote paranormal things that, that people may try to connect to the ETs that won't hold up. I, but, but, a lot of things that are viewed as being in that quote paranormal rain. I don't believe in. I don't think anything is paranormal, but, but is going to be ET. And, and one of the analogies I like to use on this is that we know we know what the traditional ghost thing uh, is like. In, in in modern world, we have this idea of ghosts, and and we and 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 we present them in certain ways, right? They tend to be whitish. Uh, they they uh, somewhat you know vague and float and whatever, and they can pass through objects and things like that. This is how ghosts are look. And then of course there's Casper, the friendly ghost, who can forget him? And I and I and I grew up with that and it was cool, and that's just how we portray ghosts. Well, when you when you read the contact reports, one of the things that's really common is that you're in your bedroom. In a standard gray, these grayish entities, come through your wall. They walk through the, come through the bedroom wall. They can pass through objects. How they do it, we don't know. And so, small, grayish, very whitish skin, gray skin, can come through a wall. Doesn't that sound like a ghost to you? Sounds like a ghost to me. And so, if it's if the case that, that that gray entities similar to what we are being reported now have been passing through the bedroom walls of human beings going back hundreds, if not thousands of years, that would certainly serve to generate the whole concept of ghosts, wouldn't it? Mm. And now again, I don't want to make a big deal out of that, but that's just a simple analogy that I ha- I have feeling there's substance to that. Uh, and so, humans have been trying to interpret as best they could within the world of this phenomena for thousands of years. And that interpretation has become lore and, and built into our, 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 our histories and so forth. And uh, I look forward to seeing that clarify. I think that that's going to be a cool thing. We're going to realize, hey, they've been around for a long time, just as Ancient Aliens has predicted, and I happen to like that show. Um, And it was ET, okay. And I and I think that's you know I'd rather it be ET than trolls under bridges or, or you know whatever all kinds of things that people concoct. Uh, I'd rather it be just ETs, just a a different kind of being with different technology, because all that other stuff's a little scary and creepy, and it's also very confusing. Uh, And so that's my response to that.
0: Okay, good. I like that. I like the response. Um, what is the end game? That is to say, what is one scenario, brackets there are many, of course, that you see unfolding for humanity, your personal speculation?
1: Oh, no, end game. Right? It's not the end game. Uh, the end game is, is when uh, the sun expands to, well, actually, that's not, the sun will eventually expand, take in the planet and vaporize the earth. But that's not the end game because we will, we will be interstellar, theoretically, long before that. Yeah. And so the end game is when the universe basically expands enough to become completely dead, cold, nothing. But that may not be true either. There may not be an end game. What is the, the basic future that should happen here? Based upon where we're at, where we've come from and where we're going. And it appears that what's supposed to happen is the, the next step is that we become an interstellar species capable of moving uh, between star systems, uh, and we will be engaging other non, uh, other sentient species in some ways. Uh, in other words, we're, our our neighborhood, our world is going to expand profoundly. Okay, and that's that's, you know, and suddenly, significant portions of the entire galaxy are may be available to us in one way or another. Uh, not to mention a, a a a virtually inflation of 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 technological and scientific understanding. Meaning, we don't you know there's no law that says we have to spend 5,000 years to learn something. Okay, once we get into direct ET contact, they'll just tell us. We'll go to school, right? We could we could we could learn in a few years what might take us thousands of years to learn if we just stay on this planet and keep trying to figure things out. So that would be kind of cool. Um, and that appears to be where they're at. They, they, they are able to travel interstellar, and they there obviously is more than one, and they're engaging with each other. And so I believe that is the next step. Where that goes, I'm not sure. Uh, so that's not an end game, but it's where things would logically go next. And which gets us back to the disclosure movement in that, it's my belief that one of the reasons they're here is that our next step is not going to happen until we get rid of the nukes. In other words, any, any sentient species that's interstellar that encounters a developing species that is still building weapons and blowing the hell out of things and has and solved the nuclear, ener- uh, nuclear, nuclear weapons issue, the idea that they could put those nukes on interstellar ships and head on out to the galaxy would be unacceptable. Just... Mm. What what sensitive species would allow that? Yeah. Would we allow it? No, of course not. Now, now this is this is a very advanced concept. But let me tell you, it's not that hard to grasp. If you know that a species is 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 using nuclear weapons and killing themselves and has built thousands of them and it's approaching interstellar drive. The idea that they could load up that interstellar craft with weapons just to be safe and head on out to the galaxy and turn up God knows where isn't going to happen. And so I believe one of the fundamental reasons why all of this is unfolding since 47 is to get to a point where that discussion is going to take place. Meaning, yeah, we're here, you know it, we're talking to you now, you gotta get rid of the nukes or you're gonna be confined here, that quarantine idea. And so not having a nuclear war is a good thing, we don't wanna do that. Getting rid of the nukes, which is not the same thing, but getting rid of the nukes May be a necessity if we're going to be able to go interstellar, leave the solar system, and interact with them. All right, okay. Uh, so far, there has never been a single report of any kind that indicates that any of these craft have weapons. Yeah, that doesn't mean they can't do things, but weapons. There's no indication of that. So that's an, a very advanced idea, but so the not the end game, but the next game is we have to become a sentient civilization that is no longer self-destructive. We have to become a civilization that is not going to be a threat to other civilizations because that's not the, how, how things work out there. And then, then we will be able to then move, not move out into to larger space not in the Elon Musk scenario where we've got to get to Mars because we're going to blow everything up here. And that's where we're going to save the human race. That's bullshit. Uh, and nonsense. Uh, the ETs have had our DNA for a very long time, If we blow ourselves up human, the human race will still be around because they have the DNA to, to, to to continue it. They want to, which is another interesting advanced topic. Um, no, Uh, that's what, that's the next game. And that's what we're trying to get to. And the question is, will we get through there or not? And, and, wh- and how much the ETs will facilitate that? How far will they go? But This is a big galaxy. Uh, it would be foolish to think that the galaxy can't live without us. Uh, as as Charles, de- Charles de Gaulle famously said many years ago, the graveyards are filled with indispensable men. And I would, I, would, I would advance that. I would say the galaxy is filled with indispensable dead civilizations. No one civilization is indispensable. That includes us. The galaxy will move on just fine without us. And so the question is how far will the ETs go to, to, to stop, the, 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 to get us off the path we're on? I don't know. And I don't think I think it would be a mistake to assume anything about that. Uh, I, I'm constantly hearing now from in, on, on, on various threads that it's OK, Steve, we hear you. We hear your rant. Chill out. The ETs will stop the missiles. If they get launched, they'll stop them. Right. They'll just drop them in their tracks or melt, melt them down or they'll just turn them into flying pieces of metal and then all will just land and they, they, they will not allow war to take place. Forgive me, but I'm not prepared to go there yet. Yeah, and I don't I want to take that, that risk, it. right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And the problem there is okay, once you get there, it's like, hey, don't worry about the nukes. Don't worry about, you know, don't worry about those nuclear submarines. Don't worry yeah. about the Ukraine. The ETs will stop it. Yeah. And I'm going, you know, if I'm an ET, that would irritate the hell out of me. Mm. I mean, you, know, you people will not take responsibility.
0: Yeah.
1: You're lazy. So, you're incautious. You're irresponsible exactly why should we stop those weapons okay yeah. maybe the galaxy would be better off without you right because you know we have really put a lot of time in this we've been we've been really been aggressive in our interaction with you for 75
0: years you still don't get it so screw you and to right? be honest I, unless we can up. change if we Sorry? can't change i'm just going to say like unless yeah. we can change maybe the galaxy would in fact be better off without us right i i it is it is something i would not want to rule out Okay, I
1: would not want to rule out. Uh, uh, we are a young civilization in many ways, but we're not. We're not primitive. We're we're pretty damn advanced. In fact, a, a, any logical person could should conclude that we have reached a point. We are a threat to other civilizations. We're very close to being a threat to other civilizations. Okay, yeah. uh, That's that's pretty advanced. Okay. In, in, other, in other words. If, if, if there was a, if there was a, another planet in our solar system, let's just speculate. Let's say that Mars had a, had a civilization on it. Of course, we'd know that by now, it'd be pretty cool, but let's just, just would we be a threat to Mars? You better believe we'd be a threat to Mars, okay? Mm-hmm. And if I would be Mars and, and, and we were more advanced than Mars, I'd be going, oh my God, we gotta worry about those Earth people, right? They could show up tomorrow, okay? So the only difference is, is that we're not talking about Mars, we're talking about our solar system. Our science fiction has gone there. Our science fiction has gotten into this deep. okay. And, and when you look at our science fiction and you take it in as a piece, right? one of the constant threads that is throughout our science fiction is the future is just the past. In other words, the future is... Star Wars, its entities with weapons of incredibly advanced kinds, having battles. I particularly love the Star Wars battles where they're they're like street fights and old westerns. They get real close to each other and they fire stuff at each other and blow. And I'm going, that's not the way it would be. Are you out of your mind? But it it, it it's more like we do it right, and so it's all you know the, the Klingons and this and that and and the fights and the battles, because that's what we are. That's what we have been, and and that's what's going to sell. So the future, the next game is just the old game. What if it's not? What if all of that stuff that we've been doing, most of the the galaxy looks at is like, oh my God, that is so silly, so primitive, you have no idea. But you you pass through that phase. It's a function of the nature of uh, evolution of life. It is a function of the survival of the species concept, which is probably universal throughout except for our life that advanced species create through technological means in terms of evolutionary life on a planetary body i think i think the fight, survival of the citizen, that fundamental concept is probably universal and because of that the sentient beings that emerge are going to be go through this period where they are a threat to every everything right in other words we are everything we are today is is the result of untold trillions of deaths of of life things competing and and killing each other off, eating each other and what have you. Uh, uh, So survival of the species. And so as trillions and millions of species come and go and come and go and come and go, slowly you have a a, a life forms that adapt and become successful and ultimately develop into sentient beings. But not surprisingly, if you come from such a violent process, which it is, it's a very violent process when you think about it, okay? Uh, You're gonna be violent, okay? You're gonna be violent. And so at some point you cross a line, and this is a very interesting topic. You cross a line when you can't be Darwinian anymore. In other words, you're now so sophisticated, so smart. You have so much ability you're too dangerous you can't you can't evolve that way anymore okay and so what's going on with the human beings right now is they they're going through that transition where we can't no we can no longer be darwinian in how we evolve we're going to have to evolve by 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 our own means meaning if you want to become smarter we will use genetic technology to make ourselves smarter we won't wait to evolve to be smarter Okay, and so now our evolution going forward is all non darwinian oh, is Dar- non darwinian Okay, fine, but we're still not there yet. And so when you look at the world, what do you see? Human beings that evolved through this very violent process are very still violent. We kill everything, okay? We kill ourselves, we kill animals, we kill off entire species, right, Uh Uh, there there's no living thing on this planet we won't kill and that's kind of a problem in fact it's such a problem given there's a billion of us that we're we're literally uh, threatening our own existence by killing so much off right given it given the opportunity we'd 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 eat every fish in the sea okay so this is an awkward time for us we got to get through this all right We, we have to stop being this way but we're not there yet and we're incredibly violent. Everybody agrees to that. There's no more violent animal on this planet than us. I mean, we are the most dangerous. We kill everything, right? Yeah. Including each other, which by the way, is not common throughout the natural world. It, it, it is there, but it is not common, right? It's not by and large, from an evolutionary standpoint, a good thing, if a species is constantly killing off its own species, that's not going to help you survive. And so, but we're there, right? So that, that makes us a threat to ourselves and everything else. And so again, uh,
0: what was the question? I almost forgot the question. The end game, I think it was this one. Yeah, the
1: end game. So, so there is no end game, but the next game is that we have to get through this transition. And and this is one of the aspects of that transition. Yeah. We have to get out of this violent thing. We have to get out of this, You know, the only way that we can move forward is to keep killing things. You gotta kill more and more and more and more and more. more. All right. Uh, and the ETs I don't think are there and they're sure as hell not gonna let us come out and kill them. All right, yeah. that's not never gonna happen. Uh, and so the question is, how is that not going to happen? And, and one way is that we kill ourselves completely off the ETs kill ourselves completely off, which they can do anytime they want, I assure you. Or we we move on from that, okay? Uh, those are the three possibilities. There's That's the only three. There are no other three. We destroy ourselves, they destroy us, or we move on from this transition and we we get to play in their playing field. We and and, I, and, I, and I, know, I don't know which three is going to... I, I don't think the ETs are going to destroy us because there's just no logic to that at all. There's just no, no logic. They could just let us destroy ourselves, you know? <laughs> they can do that, but they have the ability to quarantine us. And that's, that's the interesting thing. The quarantine thing has been overplayed. It's been expanded. You've got people that write all this stuff about it and they think they know what's going on. Let's just make it really simple. When you're an interstellar species, your ability to quarantine a planet is extremely easy all you have to do is keep track and if you if they build a starship you blow it up i mean it's a system, okay right it's not hard you build a starship you blow it up build another one they blow that up and so in other words they and and they they may allow you they may allow you to send you know rockets out to mars or whatever that's fine but in terms of leaving the solar system The only way you do that is with, well, I mean, you can send a Voyager out there, and it could be a problem for them by bumping into one of their ships in 50,000 years, but the only way you're in trouble is if you can leave the solar system. The only way you can do that is through interstellar travel. So all you have to do is make sure they don't have interstellar travel, and they are quarantined. You are perfectly safe from them. That is a truth of the universe, and it's a very good truth, thank God. The one thing you might have to worry about is this. There are segments, there are places in, in the universe that are very remote. There are little pockets of stars called mini, uh, they're called, um, oh God, what are they called? Uh, uh, dwarf galaxies, I believe. But there's even small versions of that. There's also such things as rogue planets. These are a planetary system which has a sun and planets that is not part of a galaxy or certainly not part of, of, uh, 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 of a galaxy. A uh, galaxy? Yeah, yeah. They have They have been thrown out of the system and they're going through free space, okay? And so it's possible that sentient life, highly advanced technological life could evolve on that system and you'd never know it. In other words, you just wouldn't know it. They're so far out, nowhere. If all you need is a sun, and planets around it, and you can have life. You don't have to have all the rest of this stuff. You don't have to have stars everywhere. And so some very remote system could develop develop interstellar drive and bring advanced weaponry out and become a problem. And that is possible, okay? Uh, And maybe it's happened. But it's not that much of a problem because even if a rogue system developed, and we are not that, obviously, and you had you had advanced uh, civilization with, with, with uh, that kind of weapons cruising around, what it's going to confront is a, a, a systemic alliances of civilizations that have the power to deal with that. In other words, yeah, th- there could be some damage done, but uh, the, the, the collective power is like, oh, gee, sorry, we, we didn't know about you. Okay, uh, so I'm afraid we're going to have to dispense with you. All right. And so even if a rogue thing's developed, it's not going not to survive. It's not going to be able to do that much damage before it's neutralized. The concept of alliance very important. We have that on our own planet. Alliances is what helps to prevent, supposedly, bad things happening because this country can't do something because there's 10 countries that'll prevent it. We know all about that. I think that's also the case in the galaxy. And so that that lends to the theory that is out there and it's being discussed that basically interstellar civilizations are nonviolent. That is that the natural way. They would be nonviolent. Uh, because they have the ability to quarantine systems that have the potential to be violent, and because they've moved past that concept because it's not necessary. Mm. And they have the ability to deal with the odd situation should it confront them. And so there is a realistic possibility that the galaxy that we live in is completely different from the galaxy that we have portrayed constantly in our science fiction. Star Wars, Star Trek, all of that, that's not the way it works. Uh, and that would be a good thing. I yeah. hope that's the case. Yeah, uh, sure I, I look it. forward to finding out. And the other, the other point of logic to that is this. If, in fact, the, the galaxy was anything like the way we portray it in science fiction, we'd already be done. Yeah. We'd be gone. We've been around a long time. Any one of those types of civilizations could annihilate us anytime it wants. And so apparently that's not what they do. So i don't think star wars is in fact anything like the next game
0: cool i've got the one last question now for you um take as many as you want feel free to take a little bit more time with this one than than the five minutes that we've done for most of them um how will disclosure change human civilization on local national and international levels
1: Mm. yeah well I, i have a standard answer i give and i'll give it to you uh the way to the, the the I think the the basic way to look at disclosure because if you try to get granular you go crazy
0: uh, it's,
1: it's, you know, thousands and thousands tens of thousands of books will be written about this okay I'm serious okay you know I think there's I think there's something like fifty to seventy thousand books that have been written about the Civil War
0: yeah. I'm
1: serious okay wow. check it out confirm that I'm pretty sure that's the case and the Civil War was like you know it's kind of a, it was a thing it was okay but I mean fifty thousand books. This disclosure and what follows is like, I don't know, a million times more important than the Civil War. So, but, so let's, let's, let's just give a basic perspective and, and it's this. Disclosure is a, is the, will be the biggest paradigm shift in, in history that we have experienced, okay? Uh, it, it will be an even bigger paradigm shift than I think open contact will be, which will be a big deal as well. Open contact, formal contact with ETS, yeah. because it'll be kind of after an after effect. It'll be like any almost any climactic. Once you get to disclosure, that's the big event. Then the open contact is, well. You know, we were waiting. You know, we're expecting you. Okay. So in terms of worldview change, disclosure is the biggest in history. It's the biggest paradigm shift. Way bigger than say, you know, relative the rel- relativistic physics was. That was a paradigm shift. Massive paradigm shift. Uh, so, because of that, th- there's almost nothing about this world that we live in that will not be affected by it. It will it will have it will change everything to some degree or another, uh, and so that's a big deal.
0: Yeah.
1: And one of the things that's going to change that I'm particularly interested in is the collective worldview. All- Everybody has a worldview in their head that they, they, they carry around with them. They get up in the morning with it and they go to bed with it. That worldview is how they function. All the decisions and choices they make, their behavior and everything else is based upon their worldview. You have this worldview, you do this stuff. You have that worldview, you do that stuff. Worldviews tend to, to, to uh, concentrate together. In other words, you tend to have people with roughly the same worldview living in the same places. This applies at every level. Right, we, you can pick a country, and by and large, there's going to be a consistency of worldview within that country. All right, uh, or a particular religion. Again, there's yeah. a consistency of worldview. Okay, so, but there's a lot of different worldviews out there, but there are certain commonalities, and and in the area. Of, of, of what we'll call com- common worldview that's relatively consistent across the entire species, all a billion of us. It's, def- it's gonna impact the, that, in that comment. It's go- there's gonna be a, a, a worldview changes that are not trivial, that are essentially going to happen across the entire species, okay? So we'll call it a singular variable that's gonna be introduced into their, their existence. And the potential for extraordinary change then comes into play because ultimately diplomacy and politics and the common good and how we proceed is all about worldview. It's about how people think about things. And if the worldview is of a certain type or if it changes and modifies, then people are willing to go and do things that they haven't done. So if you want people to be nicer to each other, you need to change their worldview. If you want them to stop uh, destroying the oceans, you need to change their worldview. If you want them to be more open-minded to other people, other races, other religions, you change their worldview. And it's really hard to change worldview, okay? It can take forever, okay? So nothing will have a greater impact on a collective worldview than disclosure. It will vary from person to person, but there will be some impact. And even if the impact is not great, because it's gonna be across the entire species, the collective impact will be huge. It could change things in ways we cannot imagine, all right? And it is in that change, where the opportunity to start getting things in order, to, to, to reform, to, to, to modify, to start getting things the way they need to be will exist. It will be in that moment that, that we can utilize that change in order to start making things, getting things right. Uh, and that is why I say the post disposal world right off the from the day one will be Will, will come to be viewed as is probably what's going to be the greatest reform era of all time. In other words, more reforms, more change, more adjustments than ever before over the quickest period of time. Yeah. In other words, now, I mean, as, and right now in our own government, uh, we can barely get the, the members of, of the House and Senate to agree on when to take bathroom breaks. I mean, so that's obviously bad, bad change. I mean, that, that you, you're not making progress there. So. Imagine a different situation where people are, are getting together to cooperate. So that is the best way to look at how the, the, the post-disclosure world is going to go. Everything is going to be affected to one degree or another. Worldview is going to be changed across a spatial basis, and the opportunity for reform is going to be unprecedented. Okay. Now, the other way I like to describe the, the post-disclosure era in terms of change is this – Wonderful analogy, which I believe is mine. I don't think anybody's ever used this. I'm going to have to patent. I'm not to copyright this damn thing. Uh, But I'm just putting that out there so people will consider the possibility that this is Steve Bassett's deal here. It's called, it's, it's the reverse gravity analogy for change, okay? Imagine our world as a absolutely still Body of water stretching out in all directions, calm. Okay.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And some, some God, some Deus Ex or whatever, comes in and has a, has a, I don't know, a beautifully polished sphere and just drops it into this still water. Well, we know what happens, it hits, right? and immediately waves of water start stretching out in all directions, right? Depending on how big the thing is, how big, and as they go further and further out in all directions, they get smaller and smaller and smaller. And over time, it goes back to being a still body of water. That's the way gravity works. That's not the way disclosure works. That's Prusover's anti-gravitic. What happens with disclosure is you drop this ball into the water okay and immediately very small ripples start emerging in all directions but as they get farther and farther away from the impact event they get larger and larger and larger okay that's not the way gravity works but that's the way this is going to work it's not the same thing as tsunamis, which start out small and as they get closer, they get bigger. That's because the the, the depth of the water is changing, and it gets you know it's now an and so the water builds up. That's that analogy. It's not this is a totally uh, non-physical thing. It's not the way the world works, but it's the way I think this this disclosure change event will work. The ripples will start off very small. You won't notice too much. You'll say, hmm, how about that? And then, then, then the year will go by and you go, whoa. And then five years go by and you, whoa. Not, not that we're not changing. I mean, our, our society and our our existence is changing. And we and, and if you look back over time, you see these changes happening, but they, they're stretched out over quite a long period of time. With disclosure, it's going to be much more convinced, but it's still going to start off You'll, there'll be these subtle changes stretching out in every direction, affecting everything, but as time goes by, not a lot of time, the change starts to expand. And not that far into the post-disclosure world, three, four, five years, the change is gonna be, start being profound. And, and people are, and, and of course, you know, we'll be dealing with that. Uh, and, and people are gonna have to adjust and, 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 and our science is gonna have to adjust, our geopolitics is gonna have to adjust. Uh, it, 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 it and there's not, and we have no choice, right? Uh, that's the impact of disclosure. Now, the, we don't, it, hopefully, it won't be destructive. Change can be destructive, but we know it's coming, we've been anticipating it for decades. Uh, we're already talking about it to some degree, and so when disclosure happens, it will not be, uh, like a you know, a, a meteor turning up out of nowhere, it's going to be fully expected. Yeah, it's going to happen. And so, I think very quickly, very. And by the way, the the, gov- the major governments of the world have known this is coming for decades. All right, so they know, right? The general public is less less aware. So the governments have been thinking about this for a long time. And so, as this thing happens and the change, I think we will manage it. We will say, okay, okay, all right. This is happening. That's happening. Uh, and. Uh, uh, the world is clearly going to be very different very soon. We have opportunities here. Let's take advantage of them. Uh, and so that is the best way I can describe the post-disclosure world. Uh, and there will be uncountable numbers of responses and events and 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 actions taken at, at to respond at, at actions taken to respond to this as, as eight billion people take it in and decide what to do about it. Okay, and it's supposed to disclose the world, what am I gonna do, right? It, it could come down to nothing more than a whole bunch of kids deciding in, uh, shortly after the disclosure happens. I think I'm not going to major in uh, comparative literature after all. I think I'm going to see if I can major in astrophysics or science or math or whatever, or astrobiology. They're gonna change their majors, right? Now think of that as just one example of a hundred millions of examples of people are gonna make decisions that are not the same that they would have made prior to that event. And that's going to happen very fast. In other words, it, it, uh, very quickly, the means and means of people are going to change decisions and choices. Right. And that is then going to affect other things. That's how this ripple keeps growing as these decisions and choices are made leading to where, right? Okay. Well that's when the fun begins and that's when I'm going to regret the fact that, that, that disclosure happened probably when I'm 75 years old, as opposed to when I was 45 or 50. Well, actually I wasn't even the issue then, but you know, that I was this young, okay? Because that's when it's going to get really fun. The post-disclosure world is gonna be nothing like this. This is an agonizing, endless, frustrating process, trying to get the goddamn government to just do the right thing. And it goes on and on and on while all manner of crap is taking place. The post-disclosure world it's going to be the most exciting, stimulating, dynamic period in history with all things possible, and every year that I'm going to spend in the post-disclosure world is going to be perfection. It's going to be wonderful. Okay, whatever bad thing has happened to me, I don't. I won't care, right? You know, I got this health problem, that health problem, getting old. Who gives a shit? You're in the post-disclosure world, and I'll be talking to people that are 20, and I'm going to be saying, "Do you have any idea?" How lucky you are. You're 20 years old or 17. You're about to enter college and disclosure just took place two months ago. Do you have any idea what is coming? Yeah. Uh, just, and I hope I, I hope that post-disclosure all I do is give commence commencement addresses. I want, <laughs> I, I want every college in the country to give a commencement address. I just want to go and stand in front of these kids and say, let me, give me a, give me an idea of what, just happen and what that means for you. Okay. Because you, you think that graduating from college is kind of a cool thing. And now you get to go out and look in the world. That's the way it used to be. All right. Now, oh, no, 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 no. You you are about to be sent into a world where you can't, you you, you can't even, on, on the day that you graduate, there's almost zero chance that you can even vaguely predict what society is going to be like in 10 years. Okay. It's changing that fast. Okay. Maybe even five years. And so get ready to have the greatest ride of your life. Not to mention that the technology advances that will take place post-disclosure may extend your lifespan to 200 years and things like that. Okay. That's that's the upside of all of this. Uh, So that's that's my sense of post-disclosure. Without getting into the granular details, I'll leave that to the Countless people that are going to do that. I mean, they're going to get down and try to provide metrics about every single thing and what should happen to every single thing. Now that we know that we're not alone in the universe, and my God, it's you know whatever. It'll 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 hopefully provide a lot of work for a lot of people to just. It will provide a lot of work for a lot of people because there's going to be endless need for jobs for people to just figure out what the hell are we going to do now? Okay. So hey,
0: unemployment should go down very 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 low. Yeah. Next question. That's it. That's all I've got for you for today. That was Come on, that man. was awesome. <laughs> so again, thank you so much for today, Steve. This was awesome. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. You give me so much time. Um yeah, really appreciate it.
1: Uh Ben, it's been it's been wonderful talking with you and I appreciate your patience. You have the patience of Job. Uh and again, I, I think that as we move forward, uh Uh, I I, I will be we can I think we can have a little bit more uh, back and forth uh, uh, because I love answering questions uh, and I definitely like asking questions from audience when that's possible Uh, but uh, I look forward to that and and, uh, appreciate uh, your, your interviewing me
0: thank you thank you and I look forward to the next time wish you all the best Thanks for listening to my conversation with Steve Bassett. If you haven't already watched it, you should check out our first conversation via the link in the description, where you'll also find links mentioned during the episode and links to Steve's work. If you enjoyed the episode and want to join us on our journey to unravel the universe, please subscribe.